are recording. Awesome. Horscale Denise. Welcome to Dizzy for Dizzy. I'm Kristen. I'm Ashley. And today we're talking about volume 22 of Central Kapama. And I was just telling Ashley off mic, like, I have lots of things to say and share, but just about specific aspects and themes that seem to be running through this whole episode. Um, so, but I just figure I'll say them when we get to those spots and the time is appropriate. But other people had a lot of really good thoughts too. And I want to share some of those at the end. Um, but yeah, overall, um, I don't know, like... It's funny because there was a lot of good, like, Ed Sarah moments and things in this. Like, we had mm-hmm. a lot of good, like, flirting and banter and all this stuff. But I don't know if I would rewatch this episode. Yeah, it was not one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, it, ah. it was lacking something. Yeah. It, it felt like there was something missing. Yeah. Like, for as much as we got, like, you know, and obviously we'll touch on these moments, but like for as much as we got like Sarkhan being continuing to be bold and saying exactly what he wants mm-hmm. and how he feels and all that, and I am all for that, there was just other stuff that I was like, there's just yeah, there's something missing. There's something yeah. missing. So And I mean everybody's gonna have a different opinion. That's my opinion. I didn't right. love this episode personally. Yeah. I was like, this is fine. And it, we had some good forward movement stuff going yes, on. Absolutely. So that was that to me was the best part of this episode. Yeah. So yep. and may, I don't know, maybe it was Balja. Maybe just because she irks me so much already uh-huh. that that was part of the reason I was like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's accomplishing what she's here she to do. Is. So <laughs> that's good, I guess. So um. good job. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo to the actress. Uh, and I don't think any of our listeners do this, but um, that poor girl, like people – she used a filter on Instagram this morning, and it's that one that Karem always uses, you know, with – well, someone actually made him his own filter called the Burson filter, you know? Right, right. But it's not that one. It's the one he would use before that one was the created. Original. The original, like, Super 8. And she, like, mm-hmm. used it, and people on Twitter were, like, losing their minds. And I'm like, listen, the actress is not oh the character, gosh. you guys. Like, she can use an Instagram filter without it being, like, an offensive thing. Oh, my gosh. She's literally doing her job. I know. (laughs) And, like, I think people were being mean on her comments because, like, her comments are turned off on Instagram. Like. That's terrible. Now, I mean, granted, Ibrahim Chelikol has always had his comments turned off, too. Like, only people who follow him. I was going to say some of them will, like, filter them. Yeah. Yes. Like, only people he follows can comment. Um, So maybe that's, like. Maybe I, she's always been that way, but I'm like, I gosh. really hope that's mm-hmm. not. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm like secondhand embarrassed if that's the case. Seriously, because, though, uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm sure none of our listeners do stuff like that. I'm sure all of you can separate fact from fiction. I and sure hope actors so. from their characters. <laughs> so you guys are definitely not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah so before we get in them i'll apologize really quickly you guys i woke up sick this morning i think it's just a cold i mean i'm not going anywhere i'm being safe but so if you hear a lot of sniffling um <laughs> i'm doing my best to mute that and blowing my nose but you might still catch me being all sniffly so i'm very sorry <laughs> but 
<laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's that time of year. So. That it is. So um, anyhow, uh, let's see. So before we fully dive in and start talking about the episode, oh, I want to give a shout out because I believe we learned that our youngest listener is Aww. nine years old. And so I just love that. And I think uh, her mom showed us that we keep her company while she's doing her homework. <laughs> so cute, you guys. So we wanted to say hello to Kennedy and thank her for listening to our craziness every single week. And I hope that we help you get your homework done and that we're not distracting you from your yes, homework. <laughs> it's very important to do all of your homework. Yes. But I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I hope that we can uh, help make that homework more fun for you. So we just wanted to say hi and thank you for listening because, man, nine years old. I can't believe we're entertaining to a nine-year-old. I know. That, that makes me feel a little bit cool. Because <laughs> it's we're, hard. We're cool to the youths today. We're to the youths today, exactly. <laughs> so we just wanted to say hello and thank you to Kennedy. <laughs> so anyhow, um, all right. So I think we can dive in. I don't think I really have any housekeeping um, okay. that would be applicable until after we're really done discussing certain scenes or the episode okay. itself. So cool. Well, we start with the kiss, of mm -hmm. course, which is wonderful, and we all loved it. And then Edda leans back, and she slaps his face. <laughs> okay, I totally I, – I, I assumed this was coming because uh -huh. in one of their lives a few weeks ago, Karem had said, like, a slap was coming. And I thought if there was mm -hmm. ever a perfect moment for Edda to do that, it's this it one right, right here. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't fully surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where she's basically calling him high-handed. And uh -huh. he's like, look, I was only trying to get your mind off of the elevator. <laughs> Which, listen, Edda Jim, it sounds like he did because you were yeah, able was, to give him what for right in there while the elevator was, was still moving. Yeah, it was purely altruistic on his part. I mean, <laughs> Come on, he's such a nice guy. <laughs> so, yeah, she's just like, what do you mean, get rid of my fear? Is there another reason? Mm -hmm. And so then she just kind of reminds him, I'm not going to forget what you did. And he says, well, I won't forget either, Edda Yildiz. I love that so much because she's clearly saying it in a bad light. But he's like, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to forget this either. What else you got? <laughs> and then he's smirking at her. And oh, she's it's like, so good. wipe that expression off your face, please. And he's like, what expression? <laughs> and something about Karem. So I, I think that Karem and uh, Kavanch mm -hmm. are probably my two favorite when they're like being super cocky. Mm -hmm. They pull off this arrogant cockiness so beautifully to where you all you you can't help but watch and admire <laughs> <laughs> so he has this totally cocky look on his face anyway so she's like i'm talking about your sly grin wipe that grin off your face and he's like i can't get over myself Anyway, we just get lots of banter. She's yes. telling him to get over himself, all that kind of stuff. So I do say, though, that she's like, you can't even keep to one simple agreement. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, let me tell you about an unwritten agreement between a man and a woman. <laughs> and 
uh that and that's when he basically says well what he what he literally says is uh fazla naz ashik usanderer which is basically too many whims makes a lover grow tired so don't play hard to get like right. is what it boils down to um yeah. and, and this is a theme yes this is a theme the episode. along with the subject of change mm-hmm. um because she even says at some point here in the elevator like you know, you're never going to change or something like that. And, um, you know, and then that's when he says what he does and then kisses her again. And we get <laughs> an abrupt cu- – I kind of wanted to see the rest of that elevator ride. But we get this abrupt cut to um, them having their meal, which I did like the cinematography of that scene, especially when it, like, pulls oh, yeah. back into that, like, hallway and you have – I love that. But I will say – and I'm this isn't a complaint as much as it is an observation – but the editing was kind of choppy this episode. Um, and that kind of took away from some of it for me too. Hmm. And, you know, again, they're under a lot of pressure. I I, I can only imagine what it's like having to um, smoothly edit something every single week that's two, two and a half hours. Um, it just – it for whatever reason, it just wasn't the A game this week as far as I was concerned. Um, there was a lot of times sure. where it just like muted – randomly and then would just sound would like come right back on and it just it kind of so it took me out of it a little bit um but i was here for the story progression that we got so Mm -hmm. anyway so they're on they're having this meal together and (laughs) i the i (laughs) i love that she he's like what are you thinking about and she's like potatoes And she talks about cold, tasteless vegetables. <laughs> and how it's amazing that they can transform into something delicious and wonderful. Yes. And um, and you know what? This is the first of many times that we see – well, maybe not many times, but at least twice – that we see the symbolism of what I think they mean by change. Because obviously mm-hmm. we're going to see throughout the episode – the subject of change coming up and even Edda questioning if she's asking too much of him as far as change, which I don't think is a bad thing for her to question because she really no. – she we should be questioning when we want to see, quote, a change in our partners. Mm-hmm. We we should be questioning what we mean by that. Like are we yes. asking them to change who they inherently are or are we asking – or are we just wanting them to become better versions of themselves? And mm-hmm. potatoes are an amazing example because I'm sorry. Yeah. Who of you will just eat a raw potato? Not I. Not I. They're disgusting. But yeah. you add some butter to that. You add some oil and salt mm-hmm. or butter and sour cream and all that. Like you, baked potatoes are delicious and french fries are delicious and hash browns are delicious. And cheesy potatoes. potatoes and mashed potatoes. They're all yep. delicious. But inherently at their core, what are it's they? It's still a potato. It's still a potato. <laughs> so He's still a potato, you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just because there's just a lot of outrage about, like, Sarah Khan's having to do all this changing and Edda's not having to do anything and she's demanding too much from him. And I I think I think that's a very oversimplified version of yeah. what is actually happening here. Yeah. Um, so, anyways. Yeah. Not- so, um, <laughs> he asks, he's like, are you comparing me to potatoes? <laughs> and she's like – no, and he's he just kind of tells her, I think you you could do better. He's like, I think we could talk about maybe us and our relationship and compare that. And she, of course, is like, Well, we don't have a relationship. Uh, and, and she and we all said, Okay, 
Uh-huh. And, uh, sure. Yeah. And she t- tells him, yeah, you're being impudent. And he's like, At me, I'm being impudent. So, of course, she doesn't want to talk about that. And she's like, just eat your food. And he just says, well, we don't have a relationship yet. Yet. I love the confidence. I love uh-huh. it so much. Because he spent so much time really, truly not believing that she liked him until mm-hmm. he full-on declared his love for her at the end of Eleven. Yep. Like, he really just was like, no, she wants out of my life. She wants this. So, you know, I'm proud of him for being so bold and outspoken. Yeah. Like, since last episode, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's – it's nice and it's a good – it's good growth. It's good growth to see. It um, is. It really is. And she even is like, okay, I see you're very sure of yourself. And he – I love this too. He says, if we're talking about you, then yes, I am sure of myself. Hmm. So he's like, hurry up and eat your potatoes so they don't get cold. And she's like, I'm used to eating them cold. <laughs> I know. It's, it's like, okay, breath. right. We're not talking about – potatoes still but okay edda right so um we kind of find out over at art life like where's sercon where's edda the contract truth is about to come out um that's right you know that sort of thing so we just we're kind of getting the setup that sercon and edda are going to be getting a phone call soon and so we switch back over to them and now it's after dinner on the balcony again i would have liked to see more of what happened in between this but um you know they're on this balcony now and Sarah just kind of chuckling about the fact like I can't I still can't believe we gave like a world-renowned chef your aunt's hunkar bandi like <laughs> and she just laughs he's like this has got to be in like the top 10 craziest things that we have ever done uh-huh. and she's like oh you mean to say that I add color to your boring life and when he says no it's more like a rainbow oh, oh! I know and even so she good. likes it because she kind of smiles and looks down. And he's like, oh, you like that, do you? And mm-hmm. she's like, yes, I did. Like, she even admits <laughs> that she liked it. But then her phone's ringing and um, we get interrupted by Layla, yes. who's looking for them. And after she gets off the phone, she's like, Layla called me again. Like, what's going – is your phone off again? And again, a parallel to 14 mm-hmm. when he's like, yes, because I didn't want anyone to bother us while I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So, again, just another show on his part. Like, he's serious about her. He – when he's with her, he wants to be all in. Yep. He wants to be 100% focused on her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm glad that she took note of that. But she basically is like, well, there's clearly a crisis, so should we go? Yeah. And off to the office they go. Mm-hmm. So um, we switched to the Bolat's house because Safi has seen Alptekin's car. Um, I don't know if we want to kind of, I mean, there isn't much with Alptekin in this episode, but basically he shows up to Idon and tells her, they tell each other that they want a divorce and he's like, you can take everything except for my belongings and I'm just going to leave you alone. Mm -hmm. Then later on he heads to, uh, the company and he tells Sarkhan what's going on. And he kind of apologizes. He's like, I know I couldn't be a good father to you, but I know that you'll be a good father. Mm-hmm. I hope you and Edda will be happy together. I think she's going to be good for you. And Sarkhan is like, I don't ever want to see your stupid face again. Yeah. <laughs> and Alptekin is peacing out. So yeah. that's it for Alptekin. Pretty much. I will say, I'll comment, though, 
on Karem's acting in that scene, mm-hmm. although he only has a couple of real lines, basically essentially telling him he never wants to see him again. Yeah. But his face and, like, the hurt as his dad is, like, saying things to him, he just does such a good job at that. Like, it really felt like you were watching, you know, a real interaction between a son and the very fractured relationship he has with his father. Right. Um. You know, so I, I just wanted to give that a shout out because I thought he did that very well considering he only said basically, thanks for your nice words, but I don't want to ever mm-hmm. see you again. Yeah. Um, you know, and then that stupid little like shrug he gives to Edda as he's like walking out. Like, I know. It's all it, – I mean, it's a, it's a bummer for that actor to leave on this – such a bad note mm-hmm. but we get it right because he's he's moving on to other things so they had to get him off the show but yeah it's like his character is just leaving with zero responsibility he's not mm-hmm. owning up to anything as he leaves he's just kind of being a jerk and leaving forever yeah. yep <laughs> so yeah and yep and so you know as i don had said like 30 years are all over in about 30 seconds like yeah just anyways. Um, and, you know, she's putting on a brave face, but she is clearly upset. Yeah. I mean, it's 30 years of marriage. Of course she's going to be upset. Well, of course. Like, especially the things they faced in the more recent years and things like that. Like, even if it's – even when you, quote, can say you saw the end coming or whatever, like, right. it's still different than having to go – it's still different having to go through it. So, mm-hmm. anyhow. But backtracking, um, Ed Sarah shows up at Art Life. And basically, Celine ushers them all into the conference room slash Serkan's <laughs> office and tries to play the hero by being like, oh, I just needed to tell you this truth. Um, yeah, they all like bolt for the office like it's a race to see who can tell Serkan first. Mm-hmm. And so she basically spills it all out about the contract leak and how she covered it up and doing it for Ferit. What bothered me, though, is that she didn't let Farid speak when he was like, yeah, but I didn't even want to cover it up. Because that's what – you know that's what he was trying to say is like, yeah. yes. And she's like, don't interrupt me. And then it really bothered me that she brought Jaren into it as though Jaren knew this entire time. When Jaren literally just found out and is the reason Serkan's even being told right now. And she's yeah. – and she tried to make it seem like Jaren's known all this time too. Yeah. She and, threw everybody else under the bus mm-hmm. while trying to paint herself as – the hero by finally coming clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I appreciated that Edda was like, say what you want. I'm not afraid of you. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was good. But she – so she leaves. Um, they – oh, and she – did Did you mention that um, she resigned and essentially she's like, Serkan, I'm going to give you my shares. Mm-hmm. Which is – at least that's good. And she didn't give them to F.A. even though he was pressuring her. Right. Um. So, yeah, she does do that. And I love it too because basically Serkan's like, look, we're going to put this all behind us. I forgive you. I get why you did it. Like, yeah, once mm-hmm. you start in something, it snowballs at this, at that. But it's not going to happen again, right? And basically everyone's like, correct. It won't happen mm-hmm. again. He excuses them but tells Edda to stay behind. (laughs) And I do love this because they could have gone the typical route where he's going to now be the one pissed at her for keeping something from him. Totally. And be like – and, you know, he does does take at one point or two times mention like, hey, I kept something from you but you kept something from me too. Yep. And he doesn't try to make it seem like it's the same thing. No. You know, because they are on very different scales. 
but just to point out like, hey, you have faults too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and while no, you didn't keep a secret about, you know, some horrible past death of my family, like you still kept something from me and you have to pay for it. But the nice yeah. thing is instead of him just being mad like the way she was, uh-huh. he is absolutely using it to his advantage, which oh, I am yeah. completely here for. Hey, he's being so smart about this. He's he's like, why should I be mad when I can take advantage yep. and yep. get something good out of this situation? So he basically tells her he needs to think about what her cruel punishment is going to be uh-huh. and that he'll let her know. Safey calls him during all of this and basically we find out he – we can deduce that Safey's telling him what just happened between his parents. Yeah. So they're going to head over to the Bullots house. Yes. Um, he does He does ask Ingen, though. Is this when he asks Ingen to look into F.A.? He does because he's like, he's still messing in our business. So we got to figure out where he is and what's going on with him. I don't know if this is supposed to really turn into anything or if it was just... I don't know, some sort of a empty mission for Engen to be on because Engen's like, well, he's probably in Italy. But Serkan is just kind of saying, well, that's fine, but he's still messing with things here. So we need to figure out what's going on. Yeah, because it was, you know, like, why does he still want to accumulate more of these shares if his main concern is being back in Italy? So I get mm-hmm. it. Like, he knows he's up to something, just not sure what. So, um, <laughs> they they go to the Bolots and Aidan is upset slash also making sure Edser are smashed together and in close proximity, which we highly respect her for that. So oh my gosh. thank you over and over to Aidan Hanum during this whole episode I for know. continuing to bring our couple together. The glow up. I cannot get over her glow up. Like Yeah. Mm. So good. So then we switch over to Ifair and Fifi. Do we just – there isn't much here. But. Yeah. So basically this happens a few different times. I am – what I'm hoping this is is the beginning of a modern epistolary type of something between her and Chef oh, Alexander. I hadn't even thought about that. Like modern online flirtations in the form of Instagram comments back and forth. They're both chefs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this just happens a few times. He wound up posting a picture of her food and praising it. So then she Mm -hmm. comments, you know, Afia Tolson. And then Mm -hmm. he winds up commenting back later. And then she's telling Fifi like, oh my gosh, okay, say this. Like, and this happens a few different times um, throughout the episode. But yeah, so I'm kind of like, all right, what's happening there? Mm -hmm. And that's essentially – it yeah well and his attention is gaining her even more follows Mm -hmm. so she gets orders and then there's something silly with her getting an order for 50 cookies but melo messes up the like the pen messes up and melo's smiley face looks like another zero so she makes 500 instead it isn't really that important no it's not it's just a goofy little thing um so we're back to kind of you know depressed idon and yeah. she's talking about if she should start accumulating cats. And Safey's <laughs> like, please don't because I'm going to have to be the one that takes care of them. Why don't you go pet your horses that you have? And she's yeah. like, can I take horses out in public? <laughs> like, And he's like, why don't you dance? You could waltz, cha-cha. <laughs> and she's like, don't mention the waltz. Because that's what that's how she and Alptakin met 30-some-odd years ago. And I'll clarify this too, you guys. A lot of people messaged me this week and they were like, is this a plot hole? 
because they clearly met more than 30 years ago because it's mentioned in like episode four that Sarkon is around 30. Mm. And his brother was older than him. I honestly believe it was just like a roundabout number. Like what, you know, like I'll tell people, oh, my husband and I have been together for more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily say like we've been together for 13 point this, like, you know. Right. So I think it was just more like 30-ish years ago. Not, right. you know, not necessarily exactly 30 years ago. Right. So I'm not too stressed about like that being a plot hole as far as like, you know, how old the brother must have been who the paternity of either kid i really i really think that unfortunately Alptakin is their father so like i'm not <laughs> <laughs> she was just using a, a nice round number yes. of 30 years yeah yeah and i mean that would make sense as far as their ages too like i yeah that that would make sense um so yeah idon is kind of thinking of She's waxing a little bit poetic about their relationship because she says, you know, when the relationship is ending, you start to think of how it began. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Ed and Sarah are immediately – their eyes immediately go to the other hmm. and they're staring. Uh-huh. And we get some interesting conversation because Serkan is saying, well, mom, maybe we should look forward instead of looking to the past – this is how we can handle it. Mm-hmm. And Edda says, you might think it's that easy. She kind of makes a comment under her breath with that. Right. So they all kind of start, they're still brainstorming with how to keep her busy. And so <laughs> Aydan's like, somebody, is it Edda? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Edda recommends the whole foundation and spending time on that. And, you know, weren't you going to run for the presidency and all this stuff? And Aidan's like, okay, well, maybe you'll be there too with me to Edda. And of course, Edda has to get it in. She's like, well, if your son isn't there, then I will be. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, after this whole episode, I am more than ready for that contract to be torn up. Mm. I get I get what it is. And I think even Sarkon understands what it is. It, it's a way for her to protect herself, or so she thinks. Mm-hmm. So she can – because – you know, we know she still loves him, even though she has yet to say those words. Um, you know, or else she wouldn't she wouldn't be doing anything to be around him in any way, professional mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. And, you know, so but I think Sarkon can see it for what it is. He sees it for the walls that she needs to erect to feel like her heart is protected. Mm-hmm. And so he's going along with it so that he can slowly but surely tear them down. Just like she did for him in the beginning of this show, she took down the walls that had been up around his heart for years and years and years. And, you know, and so I think he sees this as it's his turn to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did notice that there's a lot of inconsistency with when Edda whips that contract thing out. Like when she goes to check on him after Alptakeen visits him and she's like, well, I just wanted to make sure you're okay because, you know, Alptakeen was just here. Well, that has nothing to do with work. Yeah. And she's allowed to check on him with that. But then when he mentions wanting to have coffee, she's like, uh, maybe you forgot the contract. Like, yeah. so, right. So she's kind of only whipping it out when it's the when it's convenient and not making it a consistent thing between them. Yeah. And I think it's when she's comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's if, if she's comfortable approaching Sarkhan, then she'll do it and she'll approach him for something that's not work related. Mm-hmm. But if it's him approaching her, she's like, oh, wait a second. Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to like this. 
Uh You need to think about the contract. (laughs) Yep, yep. So, because he even says, you know, oh, you find a way out from everywhere. So he he can I'm I think he also sees those inconsistencies, Mm -hmm. and he's willing to call her out on it. Yeah, definitely. Um. So, anyways, I just want to bring that up because I was like, you know, she didn't really enforce the contract unless it was something that he was initiating and not her. Even them having dinner together with right. Chef Alexander. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't work-related. Right. Not really. Mm-mm. So. Yep. So, anyhow. Um, well, yeah. And then just even the him whole – him helping her through the elevator. When he mm-hmm. – she could have left. He was willing to leave. He was the one already walking away saying, let's go. I didn't bring you here to, like, torture you with yeah. your claustrophobia. And she could have said, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And let's left. go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's go do the work we were supposed to be doing right now. Yes. So um, anyhow, I think this is just all building towards her realizing I need to make a decision. Do I trust him? Mm. And am I going to put that into action? So anyhow, so then um, we kind of find out um, that the golf resort materials are going to have a delay. Let's also sum up. This whole Perul and Ingen yeah. thing. So until we until we at least get to the main event, we'll sure. hold that off. But <laughs> basically, uh, Pearl's all stressed about this because there's materials that are now being um, – that are delayed, which that's not going to work because they need the golf course done before that or golf resort done before that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's like, no, we need to figure this out, switch suppliers, whatever we need to do. And um, Ingen's just kind of like, okay, well – Two months is a long time, and we need to make sure that you meet my mom, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm not even thinking about that. And she, yeah. you know, like, that's just not where her mind is. So right. then later on, Angan winds up telling her, like, listen, I took care of everything. Like, I switched suppliers. The stuff's going to be here within a couple of days. It's all going to be good. Everything's going to go smoothly, da, da 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 And she kind of – I mean, I don't know how I felt about this because the fact that he did all that was great. But she's basically right. like – Okay, Ingen, but there's probably still going to be problems that come up because you don't think things through and something always winds up falling through. You know, like the whole thing with – and then she brings up the whole example with Idon and how like that was supposed to just be like a practice meeting and that turned into something Mm -hmm. more stressful than an actual meeting of the mom – of his mom. Anyways, like – yeah. So she kind of just points out like, okay, yeah, good that you did that, but you also did it hastily and probably without really fully thinking, so stuff could still go wrong. And that's what she's still most stressed about. Right. And he wants to propose to her, but he he keeps like, you know, I I, I tried to go about it the traditional way and that's not working out. She's not going to be able to meet my mom. Like, what do I do? He winds up even asking Serkan for advice. And eventually yeah. Serkan tells him, these two, I swear, they can give each other great advice about the others love life, but they can't seem to apply it to their own. So Yeah, totally. They keep switching sides with that with all of that. Yeah. When one of them is being an idiot, the other one is like, let me give you the wisest advice you've ever heard. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, so Sarkon winds up telling him, like, listen, just propose to her. You want to marry her. Just propose to her and let her make a decision. At least she'll have an answer and you won't be stressing yeah. about how this is going to go. But then he winds up stressing about how to propose to her. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to, you know, he gets ideas he's asking from, around. Yeah, Melo and Erdem. And Erdem is like, take her to your family's <laughs> cemetery oh and be like, this is where I want to lay with you for eternity. <laughs> yeah. I loved Melo's face as he's saying <laughs> yeah. that. And she's just like, like um 
not she's just shaking her head oh and my her gosh. mouth she's just like nope this is terrible yep. you should not be saying any of this oh that was oh, so good oh and then he winds up messing up a moment between Jiren and Ferit too by being like Ferit how did you propose to Celine and I'm like bro maybe don't ask the dude with the failed engagement how he proposed to his ex fiance but okay so so this was the kind of stuff that I was like okay Pearl kind of had a point uh-huh. <laughs> because Angan is so sweet and of course we love him. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I'm like, girl is kind of right. He's mm-hmm. kind of just a big dummy when yeah. it comes to a lot of – I'm serious. Not that he isn't as lovable because of mm-hmm. it, but, you know, she's so pragmatic. She's such a mm-hmm. hard worker. So I could – I, I don't necessarily blame her for being like, sure, yeah, you did this stuff, but what am I going to have to clean up after you with all of this? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, and even the way he winds up proposing, you're right. He, <laughs> so, we'll, I mean, we'll get there when we actually yeah. get there, but okay. So, um, you know, that that all leads up to him finally coming to a conclusion and he's like, I know what I need to do. And then yeah. when we get there, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so there you go. So then Jiren and Ferit, let's just talk about them too. Sure. Um, so basically they have a couple run-ins throughout this episode. Yeah. And um, they end up running into each other on the street um, about the middle of this episode and mm-hmm. decide to share street food. And they're both surprised that the other one would even be willing to eat something like that. Yeah. Because they kind of already have these thoughts and opinions about the other. Um, yeah. And, you know, they both come from rich families, prominent families. So just kind of – oh, excuse me. I just hit the mic. Um, both admit, like, this seems like it would be beneath you. Right. And so they kind of have a good moment of, like, yeah, I guess things aren't always, like, what they seem. Mm-hmm. They're having a good old time. They almost kiss. But Jaren's like, anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah. And they wind up having another run-in at the coffee bar at Art mm-hmm. Life. This is when Angan messes – up that sweet moment and asks about the proposal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they have these moments and then they wind up dancing together at Idon's party later when we get to. Mm-hmm. So things seem to be actively going more positively between them. I think that's yeah. a fair assessment. Like nothing's really yeah. happening, but, you know. Well, he, and he's he's alluding to, you know, new windows being opened in his Mm -hmm. life and that kind of a thing maybe that his perspective on certain things is changing Mm -hmm. so all of it is like i i agree all of it seemed very positive for both of them yes so um yeah so i think that's most of the side plots that we could mull over yeah um so now we have ed sarah they're still at the bolots and um you know they've kind of wrapped things up with idon and you know, her main focus now is going to be the whole presidency of the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're having coffee mm-hmm. and at that little like outdoor kitchen. And he basically tells her, by the way, um, I've I've decided what your punishment is going to be. And he's like, well, let's not call it a punishment so much as it is a chance to make amends. <laughs> and she's like, OK, let's hear it. Like, what? What do yeah. I have to do? So he's like, well – you have to grant me three wishes. So Eda is now his genie uh-huh. <laughs> in a bottle. He's got to rub her the right way. <laughs> God, please. <laughs> so, so he's like, well, uh, 
I will ask three wishes of you and you will grant these three wishes without resistance. I love that he added without resistance. Like, because he you're knows not her. allowed to argue with me. <laughs> but she does. She's like, well, I don't make any promises until I know what these wishes are. Yep. And she's oh like, well, gosh. what are you even going to ask? And he's like, could be anything. Could be a small wish. Could be a big wish. <laughs> he does promise that they'll be innocent, but. Yes, and that they won't violate the contract. He agrees that he won't do that. But that's not even true either because his, oh, first, I know. his first wish is absolutely a violation of the contract. <laughs> so I feel like, like literally anything would be a violation of the contract. Like how could – unless somehow he were able to make up something with work. Right, right. Because otherwise it's not going to be in relation to work and it's going to violate the contract. Well, and here's the other thing. What she did – what she kept from him did not have to do with work. It was a personal thing. So, mm. like, his wishes shouldn't have to apply to that either. Yeah. Oh, that's so. a good point. Anyhow. Yeah. So she just is like, okay, fine. I'll do it. Um, when she asks, like, what are your – what's your first wish? And he's like, the wishes are still in the contemplation stage. Like <laughs> – or the de- I think the the translation I had was like the desires are still in the stage of reflection or something like that yeah something like that and she's like well I I can't guarantee anything uh-huh. she just is kind of keeping keeping mm-hmm. that out there and he's like all right you want to drink some coffee and then we'll go and she's like okay fine <laughs> too much so uh, um so then we have some Kuzlar time and she's yes yeah, some parallel scenes right yes um because yeah Angen's it. Sarkhan's kind of getting advice, but also listening to Sarkhan talk about like, well, I told her I wanted three wishes and mm-hmm. I guess we'll see if she follows through on them. And, um, and you know, she and the girl, she's telling the girls about his thing. And Jaren is like, I am all for that. Like, I love that that's what it is. And even yeah. Melo is like, yeah, you kind of deserve this. Yeah. Fifi's the only one who's like, oh, he's just going to be a demanding man, which, I mean, I would expect nothing less from <laughs> Fifi's mouth. So that's not surprising at all. But I love that Jaren is like, yeah, he's like trying to keep things exciting and fresh. Mm-hmm. And and Melo's basically like, well, I understand why he did that. You know, like you did keep something from him and now there are consequences to that. Like, yeah, you know, just like he kept something from you and there were consequences to that. Yeah. So then Ifer comes in and they just kind of – they, they're not really saying anything to her. And she's no. like, oh, what are you talking about? What shame? What shame? And so they say that they missed the summer and that's kind of how it ends. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is where there was like some weird abrupt sound silencing and then Yeah, it, was, it suddenly was music and you can't hear their dialogue. And I'm like, okay, I guess that dialogue wasn't pertinent. I and guess. And so we're just passing over it. Uh-huh. Anyway. So, anyhow, so then this is when we find out we get the uh, Alptekin and Serkan scene, which we kind of went over already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Aidan now is at the foundation committee, yes. whatever you want to call it. And she basically announces that she's running for presidency. Nesrin's mm-hmm. trying to discourage it because she's like, Aidan Hanam, you have a lot going on in your life. And also the vote is like tomorrow. So there's not really a lot of time for you to run a campaign, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. Aidan's like, don't worry. I got this. It's fine. Yeah. So – I do love this, though, when – even though this is where I said Ed is violating her own contract, but she knocks on the door and she asks Serkan, are you free? 
Yes. And he says, I am always free for you. Mm-hmm. And again, the growth people, because when she would come in, oh, excuse me. Sorry, I hit the mic again. Um, When she would come in in the early episodes to need to talk to him about something, uh-huh. he would snap at her and be like, can you see I'm working? Yep. And so. that is not the case anymore. No, it is not. So she tells him, you know, I was worried about you. I saw Alptikin Bay. And he says, yeah, well, Alptikin Bay. In moments like this, Eda, I have a wonderful remedy. Work. He says, work is the second thing in the world that makes me feel great. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, okay, well, what's the first thing? And he's like, guess. Mm-hmm. And Eda, we know you're not this stupid, honey. No, you're she not. She says, sports? No. Vacation? When have no. you ever known Serkan Bolat to take a vacation? Get yeah. real. Yeah. And she's like, well, nothing else comes to mind. I <laughs> love his answer. He says, you know, I don't get it out of my head. I'm sorry. He says, you. No, wait. No, what he on. says. <laughs> she says, I can't think of anything that comes to mind. And he's basically like, well, that's funny because I can't I can't get it out of my mind that's at right. all. And that's, that's when she's right. like, that's when she's like, the contract, the contract. Yes. And I'm like, listen. You violating your own contract is what led to this conversation, honey. So, shh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. He's like, well, don't worry. I memorized it all by heart anyway. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, great. Well, I'd better get back to work because I have a lot to do. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> and then I love it because he's like, speaking of work, like, F.A.'s gone. If you want, you can – I think he's basically saying, like, you can work with me, but basically also meaning as an employee of his company, yes. not F.A.'s company. Right. Yeah, he's not going to boot her. Of course not. Mm-hmm. And so she's just like, well, F.A. wrote a letter. He wants me to report back to him everything that I'm doing. After all, his partner will be here soon. So technically, I'm still working with F.A. And he's like, well, I don't trust him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, my inner voice tells me that he has a secret agent. And she's like, well, do you trust me? He says, always. She says, then don't worry. And again, so, him exhibiting that full trust in her, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm very ready for her to now do the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. especially because she literally did that at the end of last episode. Like, you don't do something like that with a deep-seated anxiety that has been present in your life since you were six years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you clearly already showed that trust, so I know you're capable of it. But she's just she just keeps holding back, which again, part of me, I get it. But we are also getting to a point where you need to just decide if you're going to trust and be fully in with this man, or yeah. you need to cut you need to completely cut him out of your life. And she seems to kind of be realizing that during this episode. Mm-hmm. I that was one thing that I like it, yeah, like this wasn't my favorite episode, but it felt like we really were moving forward and yeah. That, Eda was kind of coming to grips with certain things that she knew she had to realize. Yes. So, yeah, it kind of feels like we're at a crossroads a bit with Mm -hmm. Eda herself and having to make these decisions and really either, yeah, like you said, fully commit or Mm -hmm. just cut them loose. Yeah. Yeah, there's a a more vulgar saying to it, but like basically like piss or get (laughs) off the pot. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Uh, But anyways, so 
So now it's interview time. I got to find a new PR manager, everybody. Yes. And I love this that he's like, well, since you represent (laughs) the partner who owns the second most shares in this firm, you need to interview with me. Uh Uh-huh. Plus, he's like, and I I trust your input and Mm -hmm. I really want to know what you think. Yeah. So they are the interview committee Mm -hmm. seeing all these weird ladies, one who doesn't get along with anyone, one who is talking about being a conductor and she's like when do i start how much are you gonna make how much are you gonna give me and then another one who is like making it very clear she's available (laughs) yeah (laughs) she's like by the way i'm divorced (laughs) (laughs) and ed was like peace out woman oh my gosh (laughs) the door is over there (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I mean, you know, I can't fully blame her, but also, you know, hashtag professionalism a little bit. Uh. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to tell you this at the beginning. Pause. So I had a dream last night, and it's probably because I was talking with people on Twitter about – about, like, meeting Karem, like, how – you know, just essentially how cool that would be. Uh And and I was basically like – yeah, well, he was out here at some point last year, and I literally was debating getting in my car and, like, kicking it around L.A. just to, like, run into him. I was like, but then I realized how, like, bunny boiler that would be and, like, reeled it in and did not go do that. But mm-hmm. I was like um, – so, anyways, we were talking about that. Well, so I wound up having this dream that I met him last night, but it was so funny because it – I mean, I know dreams feel real when you're in them, but you know how sometimes in a dream, like, you almost know you're dreaming because it's so absurd, but you, like, can't escape it? Okay, it wasn't like that. So he was with – he was here in California. He was in L.A. I was in L.A. for whatever reason. I Like, not because I knew he was in L.A. I just was. You had your own reasons to be in L.A., right? Yes. Maybe I was was used bookstore hopping. That seems like something legit that I would go do that we have gone and done before. Mm -hmm. So – and I go into a coffee shop to get coffee. And he's sitting there with his friend Matt. I think his last name is McGorry. And he's, he's who, like, I've seen this guy. I didn't even realize he and Karim were friends. I've Because I watched Matt in How to Get Away with Murder, like, years ago. Okay. Um, so I've known who he is. But I only recently found out that he and Karim are, like, little, like, best buddies. Like, they've, okay. like he's come to Turkey and hung out with Karim. Like, Aww. Karim's hung out with him out in L.A. So they're like having coffee together. So that's totally a realistic thing. If Karim was out here, he'd probably be having coffee with Matt. And I also think it's safe to assume that Matt, out of those two, if someone were to walk into a coffee shop, they're going to recognize Matt more than they're going to recognize Karim unless you are one of us. Yes. So I like walk straight up to the table and I'm like, I'm so sorry to interrupt. And Matt is like getting ready to be like, oh, like, like, here we go. And I'm like. (laughs) Um, Karembe, I did it, and then hit Matt. Matt kind of like sits back and looks, and he's like Karembe, and I'm like, oh yeah, hi Matt, sorry, I loved you and how to get away with murder, but anyways, like, and and I just like start chatting. I love it up how with in Karembe. your dream you're assuming how he, they would eat. <laughs> Listen, it's my dream, right? So. So your subconscious is like, I know exactly how they would react to the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, 
first he's like, surprise, I rec- I know who he is. And we all have a good laugh about it because it's like funny that usually it's Matt who's recognized, not him, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. And I like wind up telling him about like the package we tried sending to him that's currently on its way back to us right now in the yeah. States. I don't. Yeah. Anyways, we'll try to get it to him. But I just remember like telling him about that. Like we sent a gift package to you and I didn't even know how we were going to get it to you. And so is there a good ad? Are there P.O. boxes in Turkey? Is there somewhere here I can send it to you? Like it was just funny because it it was like realistic stuff from our real life. Like me talking right. about the care package we sent. Like, yeah, it was just it was so it was just really funny. And I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe this is how do I how do I like speak this into existence now? Because yeah, like, we need to manifest it. Yes, I need to manifest this to happen. Like, because how funny would that be to walk up and his friend thinks like we're all going to be goo goo over him. And then we're like, Karim. <laughs> anyways sorry i had to tell you that because i was like i'll probably forget about this by tomorrow i never remember my dreams for very long but yeah that's hilarious anyhow so interview montage they all suck yes you know uh yeah she doesn't want to hire any of them Mm -hmm. and and then anda gets jealous because serkan is like oh yeah you know (laughs) he's like and and she's got everything. She and she's beautiful. She's smart. Uh huh. And because um, sorry, I already I wrote it down, but then I didn't write the English. That's right, because he says hosh, mm-hmm. and she's like hosh. <laughs> she's like, why would you say that about another woman? Because <laughs> in my little terrain app. It means like pretty, pleasant, nice, mm. pleasurable, all these things. And he's like, yeah, oh, she knows. She's she's also beautiful in human terms. And the most important thing is that she knows English. And she's like, well, I don't think we should take any of them. <laughs> she's like, I don't like any of them. Uh-huh. And he, I love this because he's like, he looks at her and kind of like cocks his head. And he's like, Sen Biraz. Uh, like, are we maybe a little jealous? And she's like, I'm sorry, what? What reason do I have to be jealous? And we're like, oh, honey, you're not mm-hmm. fooling anybody, even Serkan. And he's like, okay, well, maybe we should go through this pile and look for a man then. Like, yeah. And she's like, no, no, I will find someone from this pile. Like, no, I'm going to find somebody. And yeah. so she says she's going to pick the, quote, best one. But, uh-huh. quote, best for Edda means someone who she finds to be frumpy looking. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which brings up Balja. Uh-huh. And because she's got glasses, her hair's kind of pulled back. And, you know, right. she just looks very just plain and professional. Nothing yes. outstandingly, you know, glamorous or anything about her right but so, what edda says is oh she's got great education very successful she's young mm-hmm. let's go with her let's call her yeah. for an interview now can i just tell you how much time i wasted trying to figure out what this girl's name could possibly be hinting at or mean because oh. so many times people are like in this episode that's a name i've never heard like sarkon's like balja what kind of name is that other people yeah. are like balja that's a name i've never heard before like uh-huh so it's like this has to mean something right it mm-hmm. like 
the the most thing I could find was sifting through a 100 page thesis from like oh, the no. University of Georgia. Someone was doing their their his, <laughs> history thesis on um like villages in Turkey in these tiny little like tiny little uh provinces or whatever and there's okay. in an there, there is an area where there's if it's a city province i'm not exactly sure but then there's a village within this area that is like made up of like 418 people called balja but it's like not known for anything it's not like so i i started typing stuff into that Turing app mm-hmm. and ball means honey so hmm. you know how Erdem kept saying like, well, maybe she'll be as sweet as her name. Oh. Balja. Balja. So I'm thinking it's like honey or sweet, like sweetie. Um, I'm trying to think of like a an English equivalent. Right, right. But I'm assuming it has something to do with like honey or of honey maybe like honey tongued or honey lips something like that okay. because she's certainly like sweet talker right because she is definitely a yes man mm-hmm. with uh i almost said karem <laughs> with Khan. i mean we'd all be yes Sorry. men with karem so so and then kochak is means like brave and plucky okay and she is a brave one she's yeah. got a pair on her so that is true so that's what I think. I think it's a, essentially a derivative or a play okay. on that. Honey. Okay. Yeah. Because B-A-L ball is honey. Okay. Well, yeah, your research did a lot more than mine. Um, <laughs> although I did read I did read up on some things about the modernization of villages in Turkey. So I guess I learned oh. a little bit. But anyhow. There you go. Um, yeah. So that makes sense because um, what someone also sent me this morning – uh, a definition, but it was B A L che. Oh, not J. Right, and that meant slime, which I thought was funny. <laughs> but anyways, if only her name was Balcha. <laughs> right. So anyhow, so they yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna call her they're gonna call her in basically. They're gonna have Layla call her in for an interview. So yeah, so she's having lunch with her friend Susie. <laughs> she was like, oh, that's cute that her that. Like, I don't know why it's cuter in Turkish for yeah. her name to be Susie. <laughs> yeah, because I it's wouldn't. It's like a totally normal American name yep. for somebody to be named Susie. But, but I the think way they the way said they it, say I was it. like, oh, it's cute. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny because like her whole look, she like I could see her being a Susie. A Susie. Totally. Like yeah. her little short, choppy, blunt uh, crop. And yeah. Yes. So they're having lunch and Balja is just not having a good life right now. She's all sad. She looks all depressed and she's like, okay, whatever, Susie, tell me whatever you want to tell me about my horoscope that's apparently so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So Susie's like, you have no idea. Your life is about to change. Everything's about to be amazing. So she reads her horoscope and she tells her she actually – predicts a job offer mm-hmm. from um, a firm or an architecture company. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, that at least I could see how Balja would be like, oh, because, you know, she gets a call right after this. Right. And she tells Balja that the love of her life is going to have the initials Sebe, S-B, and that's how she's going to know that it's this person and mm-hmm. everything's going to be wonderful. And then Balja gets a phone call. Sorry. Now I hit my mic. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> you guys. 
And then Balja gets a phone call and wonder of wonder, she's getting an interview for an architecture firm. Yeah. So she's obviously excited. Yes. Um, runs off to go get ready. And she's like, it looks like you're actually right, Susie. Like, I'll see you later. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, now I will say, because Susie said the initials are C, V, B, like S mm-hmm. and B. I'm like, well, does it mean they'll be in that order? Because what if someone shows up with the initials B and then S? Uh-huh. Like, because I was already thinking, there's nobody else in the show with the initials S and B. I already no. tried. Um, because Safi's last name is Chichek, so mm. it's not him. So I was like, maybe we're going to meet someone with those initials. Um, and it's and it'll and yeah and maybe maybe something or it's just nothing it's full of crap and or it could be like a whole like well you know soulmates aren't the only thing that connects two people kind of a thing like sure love is a choice so just because it says you'll be connected to someone with this doesn't mean you know it could go right away but yeah totally anyhow so she's off to go get ready and yeah. the shares have been officially transferred Celine hands yes. the paperwork to Jaren now there's a bit of a moment between Celine and Edda um you know like Celine's trying to just be kind of snark- yeah. snarky with her and it is like okay bye like yeah <laughs> um and then I and then I said Balja gets a <laughs> it's a non-babe walk because yeah. it's a it's a babe walk but uh, honestly she looked better in her lunch gear with yeah, Susie. Yeah with the hair out of her face and like I they she's so pretty and I'm like why do they keep doing all that heavy eyeliner under her eye i don't she's know she's like she's yeah, huma anyway. jr is what she is when she walks in she like, is she's got the trash bag coat uh-huh just like huma they the- had her hair curly and down mm-hmm. just like huma it, yeah whatever everyone so, is in shock though except for especially edda uh-huh yeah, because she, she gets, walks in and they're all like, who is she? Uh-huh. And then, of course, Ed does like, oh, crap, this isn't anything like the picture that I picked. But that also teaches you a lesson to not judge people judge. by uh-huh. their looks. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, she's off to interview. And, you know, so they have an interview with her. And Edda does make mention of like, oh, where are your glasses? Uh-huh. And, and she's like, oh, like, that's an old HR photo from a while ago, like. Clearly, I've updated since then, blah, blah, blah. So they have this whole interview. um, And she – this whole translation was so weird. Even I went to Miriam's translations from the live watch. Yeah. I don't understand the whole, quote, method. like The baby method? Yeah. Like, you give it something to silence it and then figure out what the real problem is. And I'm like, how in the world does that even remotely apply to dealing with PR problems? But, like, okay. Um, Yeah. I mean – However, she explained it was Im- was impressive. Um, Must have been to them, yeah. And so you know, and she even at one point, uh, it is like, okay, and what if something personally came up that Sirkan Bay needed dealt with? Like, and basically, she's like, well, again, the baby method. Like, they, I- I'd find who made him cry and make them cry. Like, and even Sirkan's yeah. like, okay, you have an addiction to crying. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she seems. From the start, when she said that, I was like, okay, we have a vindictive girl here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's something to look out for in the future. But after the interview's over, Serkan and Ida are talking, and he's like, well, what do you think? <laughs> and she passes it off on him. She's like, you know best. And he's like, okay, well, 
let's just consider the male candidates because obviously the women piss you off a little. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that she's like, no, we're not going to mm-hmm. do that. Um because that would be sexist. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, no, she's qualified. Let's hire her. As a matter of yeah. fact, here, I mean, and here comes impulsive Edda. Yeah. And she's going to pay for it because this girl is here to be a giant roadblock. Yep. Um, you know, so her impulsivity is going to come back for her again. But she's like, no, let's hire her. As a matter of fact, she can start right this second. Mm-hmm. And she, and since Balja hasn't fully left yet because she got stopped you know, with chatter with Erdem and them, they wind up running into her in the office and hire her and tell her she can start right away. So she's like, okay, yeah. like, I've never had a process happen this quickly before, but I'm excited to get started. And okay, cool. So she's yeah. officially an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we she's going to start right away. So Celine, Celine starts to overhear Balja's phone conversation because she calls Susie to be like, Susie, you were right. Oh, my gosh. Like, not only did I get the job, but guess what? The boss's initials are mm-hmm. S and B, just like you said. Can you believe it? Sarah Combolat. So Celine overhears that and is like, oh, hey, buddy, pal, friend. You're replacing mm-hmm. me. I had to leave for personal reasons, but – you know what? I'm going to help you. Let me just give you the lowdown of everything there is about this job mm-hmm. and takes so her to – She's going to get one last dig into the company and to mm-hmm. Khan and Edda yep. by helping Balja. Yeah. So thank you, Snake Celine. Yep. So the paparazzi are at the Bolat's house. Mm-hmm. Safey is like, what the heck? So he runs inside to tell Idon, and Idon's like, they must have heard that I'm running for president of the of the foundation. Let them in. <laughs> well, they do, and whoops, that's not what it's about. They're yeah. like, uh, Idon Hanum, is it true that your husband was found at a hotel? Did he cheat on you? Are you separating? Are you this? So of course she like runs back inside, and she's like, call Sarah Khan. Oh my gosh, like we got to get them out of here. Yeah. So then Nesrin calls and twists the knife a little bit mm-hmm. by talking about the divorce and all this different stuff. And, oh, you're probably going to be too busy to run for the presidency. Don't worry, honey. We'll take care of everything. All that kind of, you yeah. know, snaky way that they're Icky. acting with each other. Icky yeah. frenemy. So uh, as she's calling Sarkhan to ask for help, Balja is just finishing her chat with Celine. She even is like – Hey, why did you tell me like all that stuff? Even Balja yeah. can tell like it's it's being made very clear that Celine went way overboard with whatever information she shared with her. Yep. Because Celine's like, don't worry about why I did it. Just worry about the fact that you're going to need this information, okay? And so th- just then, Serkan and Edda are walking out of the office because they're going to go check on Idon because the paparazzi are there. So Balja's like, well, do you want me to come? Like, since I'm your PR person and I have a relationship right. with these journalists, like, I can help. And Edda's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Like, come on. So mm-hmm. the three of them head over. And um, so she basically is like, you guys go in the house. If they see a family member, it's only, it's just going to egg them on. So you guys go in and check on your mom. I will deal with them. Right. right. And, you know, so she works her magic, uses her connections and relationships with these people's bosses and the companies to basically yeah. say, like, okay, this journalist here, I'll, I'll give you the first scoop next time if you leave this alone. The, you, I'm, like, friends with your boss, so I already talked to him, so you got to back off. Yeah. And I noticed yesterday when I was watching, I was like, oh, hey, Bedo is one of those paparazzi uh, like, the wave master himself is they're probably all crew members i'm sure they, they are is what someone said which makes yeah. sense as few people on set as possible but totally. it just made me laugh because like i recognize bedo 
And um, and someone <laughs> so funny. Someone was like, "Yeah, he actually posted about it last week because he posted a selfie with I and I can't remember her name now, but the actress who plays Balja. Okay. And um, he posted a picture with her and was like, "She doesn't let me report the news, but she lets me do her hair. Uh, <laughs> that's cute. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so she, you know, it's it's a good trial run for Balja as being mm-hmm. the PR person. So she heads inside. They introduce her to Idon, and Idon is like, "Okay, well, since you're all here, and you want to know if there's anything else you can do, why don't you help me on my campaign?" Yes. So, uh, which is so funny because Balja is like, "I'll call the people who don't ever vote, and I'll convince them to vote." Except she just goes back to the company and makes Melo and Erdem do it. I know. It's like I know. Okay, yeah, you're gonna take care of this, uh-huh. except you're not actually doing anything. I so know. Whatever. <laughs> Did you also love? Essentially, it does little more money, more problems comment when yes. she's like staring out Such the window. Such a Freudian slip. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> then is it is it Idon or Sarkhan who hears her? Sarkhan. Oh, and yeah. He's like, and she's like, did I just say that? Or Idon might say like, what? But she's like, oh crap, did I just say that out loud? And Sarkhan's yes. like, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so funny. So, so then Idon is like, well, there's one lady who always uses her right to vote but she never attends the meetings and she doesn't like change i need you guys to go talk to her i need you edda and serkan mm-hmm. to go talk to her specifically well, she, and she has a lot of like a lot of people will vote the way she votes just because of her mm-hmm. influence so like she basically if they flip her they're gonna flip all these other people too right um so yeah and of course like someone sweet someone this someone that and it's like edda exactly what you are and she's like mm-hmm. i have to go talk to her and do you notice Sarkhan's like, don't worry, I'll go with you. And she gets all smiley, like, okay. <laughs> so funny. Oh, my gosh. The flirting, the flirting. So, yep. yeah, that's what I wrote. And then Balja puts everyone else to work making calls for the campaign. Yeah, geez. So then they go to Le Manhanams. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, we want to buy something for the house. That's why we're here. We don't have any ulterior motives at all. So Le Manhanam is like, oh, yes, everybody needs a change. So this, again, we've got some change talk. She says everybody needs to change sometimes, both uh, both in the home and in yourselves. So they kind of get a little food for thought there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're kind of talking with each other because they both want to approach this situation differently, which is so typical of the mm-hmm. two of them. Because Edda's like, yeah, we're going to convince her by buying one thing. You really think that that's going to work? And Sarkhan tries, Mm -hmm. and then he immediately launches into his spiel. And, of course, she's not interested Mm -hmm. because why would she be? Right. Well, our dear Edda notices this handcrafted vase, and she starts asking, oh, would freesias fit in here? Or maybe daffodils? Mm -hmm. And, of course, did did you look those up? So mostly daffodils because freesia I liked but what it boiled down to is just being like the ultimate flower of trust, which I thought, yeah. you know, was very fitting. How fitting. But the daffodils, it's funny because, you know, they <clears> – excuse me. They have um, – they kind of have different meanings. Like because 
where it originated from, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, because it's like the Narcissus flower where this, uh-huh. you know, in Greek mythology, he he literally fell so in love with his own reflection in the water, he couldn't stop staring at himself and he died there. Yeah. Like, and then the daffodil grew in his place as a yeah. grave marker. Um, so I was yeah. kind of like, oh, this is a bit, um, this is a bit dark. Uh, but what I did like was, that book that Kalina got both of us – sorry, you guys. I keep mm-hmm. hitting the mic stand. I apologize. Um, was I liked that where it's talking about later on in Greek mythology with Persephone and Hades because mm-hmm. we've kind of made a few Hades and Persephone connections with yeah. this show. Lo- very loose. I would say very loose connections. Yes, very. But, but still, um, you know, because while Edda wasn't kidnapped the way Persephone was, I mean, she was somewhat backed into a contract – Yes. That bound her to Sercon. Yeah. Um, and know. if she were to be likened to any Greek, mytho- Greek mythology person, yes. it would be the goddess of spring. Uh-huh. Yeah. All the flowers. And uh-huh. yes. So that's more what I just took from that. Um, and someone else um, someone else had sent me something that now, of course, I can't find it. But – well, I also saw that it can symbolize uh, new beginnings. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I thought this was interesting because it's one of the first perennials to bloom after the winter frost. Um, you guys might know I lived in Washington for a few years and the daffodils, it's it's so true because the daffodils are totally – uh, so where I lived, it's really famous for uh, the tulips, the tulips that grow there. There are fields and fields of these brightly colored tulips that come in April, and it's so beautiful, and it's amazing. And if you ever go to Washington, you should go to Mount Vernon during April so you can see the tulips because it's a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. But in March, you know, you've been through the winter, and it's like – the, the winters of there can be brutal, not because of the cold necessarily, but because it's just dark, it's gray, you're ready for sun. And it's like when you're driving through those fields and suddenly you see this amazing pop of yellow, this pop mm-hmm. of color, and it's kind of this first hope <laughs> where you're like, oh my gosh, spring is coming yeah. because look, there are the daffodils because and they're always the precursor to the tulip. So it's like this very exciting thing. We have so pictures in the daffodil fields together, right? We when do. I was up there visiting you. We do because you came during my spring break mm-hmm. and that was in March. And yeah, the tulips weren't quite ready, but the no. daffodils were blooming. And oh my gosh, yeah. So, they look so much prettier against like these like gray skies because uh-huh. you have no color behind you but then just so the yellow just feels even more vibrant and yeah yeah they were gorgeous i mean it was muddy and cold that day but it was so pretty yeah it was, it was really pretty they're so gorgeous so yeah and i guess different colors can symbolize different things like white is often used in bridal bouquets because it symbolizes purity and innocence mm. and it's a it's um like as also symbolic of trust between the couple mm-hmm. and then um a lot of other ones there's like one for every color that you can find but i just liked the whole yeah. rebirth and new beginnings thing which i'm sure is clearly more what they were going for than mm-hmm. the narcissistic aspect of it yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> yes because trust and new beginnings are absolutely what the theme of these episodes are heading towards so 
Yeah, totally. Um, so then we get, of course, that brings on the conversation of like, did you make this vase? And she's like, yeah, I actually mm-hmm. have a shop here like where I make this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And she explains how it's basically like an escape for her. And it helps her relax and just clear her mind and all these things. So she basically is like, do you guys want to try this? And she's like, of course we do. And she's like, Sercon? And he's kind of like, uh, we're getting – like, it's messy. We don't really have time. We don't have this. And Edda uses his words against him about a lover tiring of too many whims. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's like, okay. Okay. So listen, you guys. <laughs> Every – okay. I know this is nothing – this is nothing unique. They did not reinvent the wheel. wheel. Oh, we, yeah. There have been plenty of pottery making scenes that have happened in shows and movies and books. Clearly, the one that comes to mind is Ghost. Sure. And, you know, but there's a reason that it works. And yeah. um, I will say this. I will absolutely be rewatching this one many mm-hmm. more times than I will be rewatching uh, Demi and Patrick. Sorry, guys. Um <laughs> But this, oh my gosh, I can't even articulate the can't breathiest mm-hmm. feel of this entire scene. Yep. Uh, for it all has- the. For all the choppy editing that did happen in this episode, <laughs> this I, I even into this scene, it was like kind of a weird transition. But oh wow. Was it worth it? They made every second worthwhile for this. As as uh, one of my favorite podcasters, Clayton, says, uh-huh. it makes you squirm in yes. a good way. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're like, ooh. Uh-huh. That's like exactly what I did during the scene. I was like, uh-huh. oh, my gosh. Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. So I did force myself last night to watch this scene with my heart and not my ovaries. But, Mm. um, you know, it really got me thinking because, you know, she's like, let me show you guys how to do this. Um, Do you have the screenshots for this? Like what she said? For what she said, I do. Okay. She says, uh, it will purify your conscience too. I can see that light in you. And so Edda then gets excited and she's like, what do you say, Sircon? You want to try it? And he's like, no, we don't have any time besides clay, hands. We can't do that. And she's like, uh, what did – so – sorry. She says the – she says the whole thing about whims. And then the lady says, you know, what looks like clay to you, you must love it first. You should <laughs> – uh, Zuzu has feelings about this scene too. Uh, yeah, you must love it. You must love it first. You should touch touch it patiently and gently, the way you would a loved one. And obviously, while she's saying all of this, they're already starting with their hands and molding the clay. And then she says, "Only then will you see the beauty of it from within." And then she says, "And you can, sh- and you'll be able to feel it and see it with your own hands." Mm-hmm. And so then. Basically, what happens is her voice is done. She's told them their part. And this whole song plays, which it's already on the playlist. It's called Akin Bahar Jolak. Um, it's already on our playlist. So this whole song plays. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to read the lyrics because. Oh, I didn't catch any of the lyrics. So, But it's funny because I wondered. I was thinking, I wonder if the lyrics are going to be really pertinent to this whole scene. 
Because they, I, I wouldn't <clears throat> think they would miss that opportunity, you know? Right. And so, yeah, because this translation didn't offer them. And actually, it's hard to find them on Google. Like, I Googled oh. the song and, like, I couldn't find them. But uh, one of the other translation sites uh, did have them in the episode. So, okay. It's uh, so funny how, how they'll vary that way. I know. So this one says, I cannot speak a word. Please look at me. Feel me. Those empty hopes you gave me have drained me. I cannot look at you. I cannot touch you. I've told myself many times, don't run knowing that it's impossible. His eyes are true love. Hmm. His hands are as warm as home. Oh, and also that look of his, he looks at everyone with a different meaning. Your departures and your returns are like a game. You flew away while I was chasing you. You gave me hope that the impossible is possible and made me angry with myself. So obviously those lyrics are fitting on both sides of them. Yeah. Um, you know, because he was the one running from her at first and, you mm -hmm. know, even with their fake relationship was like holding her at arm's length. And then she started holding him at arm's length because she mm -hmm. started developing feelings for him. You know, it's just – it's all very applicable. Yeah. So I thought it was a really great song. Um, and so while, you know, yes, they're – was a lot of heat and tension and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what we like to call UST, unresolved sexual tension, um, <laughs> all this stuff between them. It was also another symbol for yes. the whole change versus evolution. And I found this quote from – Ooh, I like that. From Praveen. Change versus evolution. So, you know, oh and it was a quote about clay – and it says, clay folds, clay molds, clay rests, clay sets, clay dances to the tune that you love to hum. Clay grows into the person you finally become. Because again, the key th components that make clay what it is don't change. Mm -hmm. So it's this like lumpy stuff that you add water to and it just turns into this like muddy mess but it's still what it was before you added the water to it that's so and good. as you're shaping it as these outside elements are affecting the shape and what it actually is is a bowl mm -hmm. or a vase or a plate or a decoration or any other you know a flower pot right it's key ingredients that make it what it is are exactly the same so mm. It's not changed. The clay didn't change into something else. It's evolved. It's evolved into – Yes. So again, oh just to point gosh. out, everyone who's freaking out about Serkan changing who he is and only making changes for Edda, like Edda, yes, is a, catal is a catalyst that is encouraging that change. Mm -hmm. But it's changes and growth that he wants to make. And yes. It's not him changing the key components of who he is. No. Um, and I, you know, we can go over more of this at the end, but there's a lot of examples even from episode one that I can go over that will prove he's always been this type of person. It's just yeah. a matter of how much of it he was keeping closed up and shut away. Yep. Until you added water or Edda in this case that began to – like make him realize that, oh, he can change the shape of who he is without changing the components of what make him who he is. Yeah. So he needed the catalyst to create the reaction if we're going to get mm -hmm. into the chemistry of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Edda has been the catalyst. Yep. So 
I I really love that. I had never I had never even like just those specific terms, change versus evolution. Mm-hmm. I yeah, that's great. I Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back to art life, and every <laughs> and Val just like, oh, so how'd it go? You know, we're we're done. I I've made all the calls. It's like you know you didn't, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So she's like, how did it go? And they're both like. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. um, Ada's cheeks go red, oh, and Sarkhan is like, everything went really well for us. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, things got a little dirty, but it we, went well. We got the job done, and then Ada's <laughs> like, yeah, teamwork, and Sarkhan's like, yeah, teamwork. And that's another term that keeps getting thrown around mm-hmm. here, it, which I think is a good one because it's like, yes, you two need to realize that you are a team. Like, yes. Yes, you and are. And we in- had the numerology symbolism in the last episode of teamwork as well. Uh-huh. Yep. So clearly it's another running theme, this mm-hmm. whole um, teamwork and trust and change and all. New beginnings. Yes, new beginnings, all of this stuff. So um, Melo and Ida kind of have a little chat about Balja and how she seems harmless and oh, how wrong you're going to be. Um, well, even when she walks out right there, she does this eye roll. Uh-huh. Oh, it was so – I was like, okay, you're already showing exactly what kind of character you're going to be. Yep, exactly. Um, so, you know, yeah, that's when it's like we get the whole, uh, you know, we made we made all the phone calls, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. And um, – so and then – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I I was at the part that we've we've already covered this. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, I I must have had a random thought, but I don't know where – because I've been – What did you say? Well, I wrote more thought vomit. Like, I, <laughs> like, that's what I've been calling it when I just have a random thought and I, like, type it into my phone. But oh, uh-huh. I don't know what that random thought vomit was that I was supposed to be referring to now. <laughs> okay. Um, I must have thought it was going to trigger it, but oh, well. Okay. Um, if it comes to me, it comes to me. But so basically, Balja is explaining like, oh, I see that there's more than, you know, there's more than 80% that seem like they're going to be going for your mom, you know? Yes. And he's her like, and Ed are kind of reporting their yes. everything to Sircon. And he's like, oh, good. How'd they react? And Ed is like, overall, they did well. Um, but it's very difficult to convince some people. Mm-hmm. They have a certain preconceived notion. And Sircon says, yes, it is difficult <laughs> to convince people with preconceived opinions. Yeah. And she says, and not just to convince, but it's very difficult to change people's thoughts, habits, and behaviors. Mm-hmm. And Sarkon says, yeah, sure. But if they're ready to change, so, you know, mm-hmm. clearly we're having a another conversation. Yeah. And Balja cuts in and says, you know, I will say one simple thing. It seems to me that trying to change people is very illogical. And it is, like, illogical. And she says, yes, you cannot change a person by force, according to my logic anyways. And – uh, Edda says, and my heart tells me that if a person wants to, he can change. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about big changes. I'm talking about even the small things can lead to big results. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this kind of clarifies too what Edda is saying. Yes. Like that her goal isn't to change people as they truly are. But – Right. Yeah. Um, not and, kind of the foundational aspects of who they are as a person. Right. Because what Ball just says inherently – 
Yes, I think that's true, and I would agree with that, mm-hmm. that trying to change – to force somebody to change is probably not a smart thing to do. Right. Because if you're trying to force somebody into something like that, it's not really going to work out. Yeah. But Edda gets to clarify. Yep. Yep. And so that's when Balja says, maybe, but I'm just not for changing people. I think we need to accept people as they are. And then if it doesn't work out, you just don't push it. And Sarah Khan cuts in at this point and he's like, you know, in my opinion, we've distanced a little bit from the topic. Let's get back to work. Uh, but to conclude, I think change is good. Anyways, yeah. like, so he <laughs> makes it clear he's with Edda on this. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, I think honestly, that's when I wrote down my more thought vomit thing. And it was just more about, again, change and what yeah. and what we really mean by using that word, like mm-hmm. um, what is really being said. So yeah. can I point out – that when she leaves, mm-hmm. she doesn't push in the chair. Twice. She's done this <laughs> twice now. And Sarah is like, can you please fix the chair, Edda? Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. she happily does it. She knows how much it'll bug him, so she does it. Yep. And there is yet another sign that inherently who Sarah is has not changed. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So – and I also would like to point out that this seems like something clearly even Celine didn't know about or think to mention mm. because Balja would have been all over that then. Oh, totally. And making sure her chair was pushed in. Yeah. So just another thing to like Angen and Edda seem to be the only ones. And Alptakine because I will say Alptakine did mm. very obviously push his chair in before he walked out of the office okay. and saying goodbye to him. So – yeah. Anyways. But that's, um, his son, that's his son. So you would hope that he would at least know yeah. those little right. eccentricities. So Sarkon uh, <laughs> asks if Edda wants to get coffee. He's like, yeah, maybe we're a little tired. You want to grab coffee? And she, of course, uses the contract as an excuse because mm-hmm. they're not supposed to spend time together outside of work. And he says, I understand, but we're in the company right now, so we won't be breaking the contract. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no? Okay. <laughs> I was going to share my first wish with you. And she's like, well, just tell me right now. And he says, right here, I can't tell you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this made me be like, what the heck are you wishing for, Sir Bay, that you can't say it in the so privacy good. of your office? <laughs> well, and we know he's also trying to just, you know, needle her into getting coffee with him right so he's like okay well don't overreact i just want you to trust me completely like can i just say i know like we i mean we knew this already we knew this is what he wanted Mm -hmm. but i love that he says it even though he already knows how she's gonna react yep i love that he said it that's what i want i want you to trust me He's just out with it, very plain. Mm -hmm. Let me lay it out in plain letters for you so that you understand. Yep. And she's like, well, I still haven't forgotten that you were hiding something from me. And he's like, well, you hid from me too. Mm -hmm. She says, they're not the same thing. (laughs) And so she's like, well, I don't accept your wish. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I figured. I have a backup (laughs) wish. So he basically. I I know. How can you not? Like, oh, I love it so much. Like, don't worry. I have a substitute with. I mean, even just the fact that his form of punishment is three wishes and not an actual disciplinary action. Like, yes, totally. Just yeah, this man. So, 
you know, he's like, yeah, I've got a backup. But she's like, so you need to surprise me. And she's like, Mm -hmm. surprise you. And he's like, yes, (laughs) just show up at my house one night. She's like, so I just show up at your house and then leave. He's like, no, you'll come in. And then she's like, I'll come in and do what? You know what? I don't want to know. I'm going to go back to work. And he's like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. He's like, show up at my door. Well, literally what he says is knock on my door. Send Mm -hmm. Chal Kapama. Yep. And then bring a movie and popcorn and Uh we'll watch it and eat popcorn. And she's like, you don't eat popcorn. And he's like, even if I just eat a little bit, I'm going to eat popcorn with you. Uh Uh-huh. And – He's like, yeah, so bring a movie of your choice and we'll, and we'll do that. And she's like, so that's what you want. She's like, okay, I think I can handle that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, when are you going to come? And she's like, Sarah Khan, <laughs> you literally just told me to surprise you and now you're asking me when I'm going to surprise you. That's not how this works. <laughs> I love it so much. So, oh my so cute. So, so that's settled. She's agreed to that wish. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah. So then we switch over to it's evening. Melo, we kind of touched right. on the whole Melo taking the cookie order that gets confused. Yes. And um, so Sarah Khan's at his house and he's sitting there talking with Sirius. <laughs> and he's like, okay, Sirius, is she going to come tonight? Like, I think she's going to come. Like, uh-huh. I, I, you know, he's she, so sure of himself. Like, of course she's going to show up. And then, of course, he's like, she's going to ring that doorbell. And then the doorbell rings and he's like, see, Sirius? What did I tell you? I'm Sarah Cotton Bullock knows how these things work. And he goes, I love this so much. And when he goes, Edda, you oh And he's just strut- <laughs> he's strutting on over to the door. And then his poor little peacock feathers completely just. Womp, womp. <laughs> because who is it but Angan? Angan. And so this is. We- go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say this. We kind of touched on this because Angan needs advice. He's, you know, wants to propose to Pearl, and this is when, you know, um, basically he's like, "I'm just, I need advice." And Sarah Khan's like, "I think you just need to propose and get it over with, and mm-hmm. see what she says, so you just know." And I love it because Angan's like, "Hey, I mean, but she might freak out that too much is changing too fast." Mm-hmm. And Sarah Khan's answer to that is, if there is love, one should be ready for a change. Mm. Anyone can change. I'm yeah. an example of that. Like, yeah. so I, it's just like this whole effort he's making, he's taking it seriously. This clearly isn't just him doing something because Edda wants him to. This is him doing something because he wants this, these changes in his life because he likes what the results of those changes are. Yeah. It's why he continued to seek her out even when he couldn't understand why. Mm-hmm. You know, it's why he felt the need to, even though he wasn't in a relationship with this girl, it was just a contract, why he felt the need to chase after her when he hurt her by accusing her of, you know, being in cahoots with Khan and why he wanted her back in his life because he was already craving those changes that she was bringing mm-hmm. and because he wanted them. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, and then is it at this point too? So it was right before this. That uh, Ed does with the girls and she just – she's a little pensive. So they're asking her, you know, what are you thinking about? And Ed does like, well, I've just been thinking about what Bulja said mm-hmm. because she was talking about how trying to change somebody is wrong. So Jaren pipes in and she says that she thinks that trying to change a loved one, you know, a little bit of their character traits isn't necessarily a bad thing. She thinks mm-hmm. it's good. And Fifi agrees with her. And uh, Mello kind of pipes in and she says, 
<laughs> she she doesn't really track with what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. She just starts talking about Fifi wearing black and she wants mm-hmm. her to dress more colorfully. <laughs> but um, Edda's just like, okay, but, you know, why would we try to change the people that we love? Because mm-hmm. Milo's like, you know, you always wear black and I wish you would dress more colorfully, but I still love you. Mm-hmm. And Edda's like, okay, but then why would we try to change the people that we love? Yeah. To love them even more. She's like, I don't know. I just think that maybe I went overboard trying to change Serkan. Mm-hmm. So Melo says, tell me, did Serkan tell you what one of his three wishes were? And so she explains all of that. And, of course, Melo loves it. And mm-hmm. Fifi I, hates it. I'm totally Melo because Melo's like <laughs> – Melo like falls over and like clutches her heart. She's like, she's I'm like, melting. It's so romantic. Uh-huh. And that is so me. And Kristen would totally <laughs> react just like that. And if my husband did something like that, I would totally melt. But if it were somebody I didn't love as much as my husband, I would be Fifi 100%. <laughs> Be like, that's stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, like roses in a giant teddy bear. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So after, after that, though, uh, Jiren gets a little more serious mm-hmm. and winds up telling Edda something that I thought she'd already told her last week, but clearly I was wrong. Yeah. Well, and she's like, well, you know, don't you think we're being a little too unfair to him? From the very morning, we argued whether it's worth changing a loved one. But Sarkon himself wants to change and he's trying to change for this. And Edda's like, yeah, he does. He did say that he wants to change. And Jiren's like, and I don't even approve of Sarkon's actions, Mm -hmm. but he's trying to change. He's taking two steps towards you so that you will also take one step towards him. And I loved that picture because yes. it totally is Serkan. Serkan's like, why don't I go the majority of the way and you meet me just a little bit. That's all you have to do and I'll be right here. So she's like, so what do you – so Ed is like, so what do you say? Should I go knock on his door? <laughs> and Duran wholeheartedly agrees that she should. She starts making the little knocking motion, and it's really cute. Yes, I agree. They're like, yeah, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but she just winds up kind of just being in more deep contemplation. Yeah. Um, because then <laughs> she's being con- she's being contemplative. Is that how you say it? Yeah. And I realize there's so many words I know that I always read. But I don't usually have to say them out loud. Like assuage. Yes. Like so it makes me now question like, shoot, do I even know how to say that? Um, That is one thing I will give Turkish. The letters always make the same sounds. Always. I can – I at least can mostly pronounce correctly what's being said versus English, my first language, half the stuff. Decode basically any word in Turkish if you know the phonics. It's so easy. So um, anyhow – so we're now we're back at Serkan's and mm-hmm. he's like trying to usher Angan out and Angan's <laughs> kind of like, okay. And then he notices like the candles are lit and stuff. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, uh, well, what's this romanticism for yourself? Like, what's going on? Are you expecting someone? And he's like, no, my therapist says it's good. Now, can we mull over the fact that Serkan said he has a therapist? Uh-huh. Like, it is I, this new? And I hope this wasn't just him like, making a comment 
like off the cuff right. just to get Ingen out of there because I'm like, oh, if you're in therapy and you're getting like help and guidance, this would even further the narrative that you're genuinely trying to make positive changes in your life for mm-hmm. yourself, yeah. not for someone else. So anyways, what it boils down to though is he's like, well, you know, this is a home and I have to be prepared for anyone to show up at any time. And Angan's like, who would just show up without calling? And Sarah kind of looks at him like, hmm, yeah, I wonder who would show up without calling. He's like, well, I don't count. I'm your best friend. <laughs> so then the doorbell rings again. And then, of course, Sarah like, all right, you're going to be out of here in two minutes. Because he, again, thinks it's Edda showing up. Yes. And it is Federique. <laughs> Gosh. And he's like, oh, great. Federique is here. What's up, Federique? What's going on? He's like, Oh, I just couldn't get over my guilt. I have to tell you something. <laughs> he confesses that F.A. was trying to buy his shares too, but he didn't sell them uh-huh. to him. But he just wanted – because they're on this whole truth kick. Like, he wants to make sure Sarah knows everything. And Sarah basically pulls the equivalent of this meeting could have been an email. Yeah. He's um, like, this could have been a phone call, uh-huh. literally. Uh-huh. Why did you have to show up for this? Uh-huh. So then the boys want to start ordering some kofte. And, and Sarah like – Engin, I don't eat kofte. Do you remember any of this? Like, do you know me at all? And at some point, we do switch back over to the girls. Mm -hmm. And they're just kind of still talking about change and everybody's opinions. Um, And Edda makes a point that, you know, like, we're not robots. We're people. Right. You're going to have your own opinions. You're going to have your feelings on different things. And um, she has to kind of point out to (laughs) – to Milo that they're not talking about physical changes they're talking about personality right. changes and uh but Fifi ends up bringing up Ferit mm-hmm. and that he likes Jaren but he couldn't get Celine out of his head either and Jaren's like why are you bringing him up right now but um which is also a funny thing because then Milo shows her true feelings about Celine at that point. She's like, I don't want to hear about that blonde bee anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Edda calls her a snake, calls Celine a snake. Um, and then this is where Jaren spills yes. Khan's true reason for opening up that case against the reporters. Yes, that it had nothing to do with his image or even his own, quote, emotional damage. But yep. he was – he's going after them because of the fact that they hurt Edda. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she's like, oh, Serkan, oh, like – she's like, it's stuffy she's in like, here. Can't I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, of course, she doesn't want to think of him as these good things. She doesn't want to let herself trust him. It's just a continuation of everything that she's been struggling with already. Right. Yep. So, you know, as she's now standing at the window, this is where she's being more contemplative. I was a little mm-hmm. ahead of myself last time. Oh, that's but okay. It wasn't a ton of stuff that they talked about. No. But, you know, Jaren spills that big fact. Yes. And God bless Jaren for doing that. Mm-hmm. So – then Erdem shows up. <laughs> Listen, anytime Karem and Sarp share a scene, it is so good. It's gold. It because is comedic. He, like he throws the biggest tantrum right here. When do you he realize sees- he did you it took me the third watch to notice he actually throws that folder yes, on the ground? He slams it like a child. Uh-huh. <laughs> Because well, it's the, not only not Edda, but it's Erdem and of he's all like people. talking through clenched teeth and all like Erdem. He's like, Erdem, you can go. And like tries to slam the door in his face and he 
winds up pushing his way in and he's like, I need with to the folder. You- he with sticks the, the folder in the, the door. The <laughs> and he's like, how does he even know where I live? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so he warms his way inside and he's like, oh, Ferry Bay and Engen Bay are here. Good. It's a party. And like hops over the back of the couch, which I can only imagine Sarkon has a heart attack because dirty shoes on the couch. He did it like three times climbing I know. with his shoes on the couch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean that makes me like ugh, and I'm no yeah. I'm no Sercon. I mean oh I like gosh. my I like my house clean, but anyways, so that's when yeah, like Sercon winds up throwing that thing on the ground. He doesn't even care about what's in the folder, <laughs> and yeah, so it winds up he's like, I need love advice. I took a cue from you, and basically was like, got myself into a pickle with this like <laughs> whole situation and. <laughs> The guys can see that Sarkon's about to pop a vessel. So they're like, come sit here. We'll give you advice. And then we just get like a musical montage of yeah. them giving him advice as Sarkon sits and sulks very broodingly yes. on the corner of the couch. Yes. And so, then finally he's able to kick them all out for the yes, night. Yes. Kicks them all out. So yeah. um, then same thing. The girls leave and Edda's just left alone to her mm-hmm. thoughts. And then Balja is at the Bolat household. Because yes. she has ideas and she tells them, like, sorry it's so late, but I have ideas for your campaign. Mm-hmm. You're clearly more qualified and you need to be able to show that since we have such a short amount of time. So I think yeah. before the vote tomorrow, you should suggest, like, a Q&A slash debate so that mm-hmm. you can show how much more prepared you are than your um, than your uh, opponent. Yeah. So great idea, all this stuff. This is where we get that Jarefair street food scene we already talked about. Uh-huh. Um, and then we get breakfast with the Kuzlar the next morning. Yeah, so I noticed not much happened here. It's mostly just Ifair still wishing that Edda can finally get away from the Bolots. Yeah, and I'm going to need – maybe if she wins yeah. – maybe if Aidan wins this election, then she'll be able to finally leave them alone, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I just – I need her to get over that very, very soon. Yeah. Um. So, so we switch over to the venue because mm-hmm. Aidan is there with Safi, then Balja and Edda show up, and Aidan is kind of realizing – what's going to happen and she's starting to get really nervous yeah so um fifi at some point suggests that because they're like what do we do with the extra cookies Mm -hmm. i fair makes a funny joke about making melo eat all of them because it was her mistake in the first place Uh so she's like yes we'll make her eat all of them but they decide to sell them for the charity and that will also help idon to look better if she's kind of contributing to this girl's fund anyway. So they head over, drop that stuff off. Super. Um, we get – this is the Engin getting proposal advice, another Jerifer run-in that we talked about. Engin asking Faraday how he proposed, blah, blah, blah. Okay, debate time. Or almost debate time. Almost debate time. Idon's nervous and, mm-hmm. you know, and Balja, which at this point I didn't – I understood why Balja did this. Because she's like, well, if you're nervous, you know, I can stand up there with you and support you. Sure. Um, I, I'm all, I'm down for that sweet offer. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But of course, Idon's like, please don't take this the wrong way, sweetheart. I appreciate all you've done, but honestly, like, I would feel better if Edda was by my side. She's been there for me. She's been my strength. She's been this. Yeah. And Edda is, of course, like, of course I will, Idon Hanum. Like, I won't leave you alone. And, of, and then Bitter Balja is pissed about that, you can tell. And it's like, yeah. listen, you've known this woman barely 24 hours, okay? Like, mm-hmm. reel in the daggers and just realize you're doing your job. And it's not your job to stand by her side. It was no, your job to get not. her to this point. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. So we're beginning to see the 
the bunny boiler in her come out, mm-hmm. so to speak. So we get the debate and they're the ladies are asking them different things. My assumption is that they were live streaming this. Is that why they had the computers in front of them? That's my guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So one lady asks her a pretty rude question because she's essentially like, you're going through a divorce. How are you going to be able to handle all of this while also dealing with a terrible personal life? Mm-hmm. But I was so proud of her answer. I screenshotted this whole thing because I was like, oh, my I done. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Because she says, that's right. I'm going through a difficult period right now, but I didn't do anything shameful. And it's like, yes, girl, that's right. You didn't do anything wrong. It's all stupid optikin. So she says, I trusted the person that I shared my life with, the man that I raised my child with for 30 years. I wouldn't want anyone to go through the pain that I went through. But we all know perfectly well that it can happen to any woman. Thank God at that moment I was not alone. There were people close by me to support me and love me. If I become the head, the president, my dream is to be around women who are not so lucky, to take their hand, to work with them on projects that will bring them back to life. And so they all start clapping. It's wonderful. And then Ed does like, I want to add something. Miss uh, Aydan Hanam is one of the strongest women that I know. I learned a lot from her and she inspired me a lot. Mm. There seems to be those among you who do not know too closely who Aydan really is. And my advice to you is that if you want to get to know a woman, then pay attention to her character, not to her her personal life. And it was just so wonderful. I (laughs) love that so much because honestly, it's true. Like, Mm -hmm. it's true. Just in general, women are ripped apart for their personal lives in yep. in areas of their lives that their personal lives have no bearing on. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I mean, we can get into a whole thing of that, but. Right. So. But that um, whole thing was wonderful. So the vote happens. Idon winds up winning. They're all mm-hmm. very excited and proud of her. And she's like, we need to have a party to celebrate. Invite everybody from the firm. Blah, blah, blah. And Safi's like, a 70s retro party. <laughs> Which, guys, this was just like a goofy costume party. Other than the disco sign in the back. like that 70s at all. It was not 70s at all. But, <laughs> you know, God bless him. So Angan is on the phone. And all of a sudden, he gets some genius idea on mm-hmm. what he needs to do. And then we'll see it played out later. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's party time. Yes. And I wrote, I'm sorry, does Sircon just look good in everything? Like, I know. It's and, ridiculous. And can we also talk about the fact that he not only came to this party, but dressed up for it. Like, uh-huh. I could see him coming because it's for his mom, but just in his three-piece work suit. Like, not mm-hmm. wearing his little, like, conductor's hat and I lo- know. looking all kinds of adorable while yeah, he just – little Newsies hat. Yeah, while he just stares at Edda the whole time, which is why, again – he has no idea Balja has any sights for him because he does not pay attention to that woman in anything other than the professional capacity. Yeah, he's got no time for her and her Mm-mm. looks and her glares at Edda or anything like that. He only has eyes for Edda. Yep. Love so, it. So he's staring at her. Balja's staring at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do get a little one over to Peril noticing that Angan's nowhere to be found. That's unusual. Yes. What's going on? Uh-huh. Everybody's dancing. Right. And um, then <laughs> and then Celine comes in and yes. all the music oh stops. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's totally a record scratch moment. She walks in, it's super awkward. 
<laughs> and Aidan walks up to her and welcomes her. And she's like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to come by and congratulate you and also to yes. say goodbye. So Aidan's yeah. like, Serkan, can you come here, please? Mm-hmm. Um, so Serkan walks over and um, and I kind of love that, like, they don't really have a – it's not a cordial goodbye but it's right. not it's not fully cold either like no they aren't really being rude to each other they're both just kind of like well i hope you <laughs> it is kind of like i hope you become a better person kind of almost uh-huh. <laughs> like hopefully you're on a better track now that you're going to be getting away from all this cuz she talks about Denmark and she originally right. wanted to start Had this a- dream and she put yeah. it on hold for Sarahcon and blah 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 so she's going to go pursue that and you know cuz she just needs a fresh start and yeah and so Ed is basically like well then I hope you're on the right path this time and she's like yeah right. me too and then now you can just I hated this little comment she's mm-hmm. like now you can um make Sarahcon suitable to yourself whatever and it's like, give me a break. You're still a bitter shrew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as she's walking out, she and Sarkon basically just say, take care of yourself. And that's yeah. it. Like, I like yep. that there wasn't a hug or anything like that. Because I'm like, sorry, mm-hmm. childhood history and all of that now doesn't hold anything on this. Like, she's done no. some terrible things. Now, I will say this too. I know maybe this is just because nothing she did was as terrible as what, like, Yeet did in Air Kenji Kush. Okay. I wasn't so upset about the fact that, like, she wasn't caught for the restaurant thing. We clearly already know Serkan is suspicious. Like, mm-hmm. Serkan knows that she did it. Um, yeah. So I'm not really, like, that upset that there wasn't this, like, big um, retribution type thing for her. Yeah. Because I sort of feel like the retribution is, like, you had to give up this entire life. Like. Yeah. You wound up with nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, you're letting your – you let your bitterness like drive you to this mm-hmm. point. And so, you know, we don't need to see specific punishment for switching the envelopes or um or for, you know, the contract thing. Like she admitted that, yes, and but there wasn't like this huge punishment for it. Um yeah. you know, but I'm I'm okay with it. Like I agree with that. Yeah. It, I I agree. There's yeah. nothing else for me to add. I just yeah. agree. <laughs> okay. Um, just because I know – I know how – trust me. I know how it feels when you're like a, a villain did not get their just. Like – Oh, yeah. But I think because – We all felt that. Yeah. Like with EK, it was such a bigger mm-hmm. deal. Like this dude faked an injury for an entire year. It was year. heinous yes. what he did. That is a perfect Cel- phrase. Celine never crossed the line into heinous mm-hmm. with the – the things that she did yeah. to Serkan and Edda. Yeah, they were they just were all bitter. like sneaky, devious, bitter things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's getting her comeuppance with that. She yeah. wound up alone without really a career, so to speak, of in this mm-hmm. country anymore. She's got to leave and start fresh. And she doesn't really have any friends anymore. I mean, even mm-hmm. Peril was like, what's your problem? When mm-hmm. are you going to wake up? Yep. So this felt like an appropriate Exit. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So although I wished better for B-Gay, like, mm-hmm. I B- know. B-Gay deserved a better goodbye than that, but Celine, yeah. Celine did not. So. Right. 
Anyhow, so, so best she, of luck to be gay yeah. as she moves on to other things. Yes, maybe we'll see her in more Netflix stuff. So, ooh, yeah. Um, so, so Idan, our favorite chipper, uh huh, is like everybody dance. <laughs> and she, of course, she walks up to Ada and Sarah Khan, and she's like, "You two, I need you to dance right now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "Mom, I do appreciate this because Sarah Khan's like, Mom, I don't think Ada wants to dance." Mm-hmm. And he's basically making it clear, like, I know that's not in the contract kind of a thing. Yeah. And I love it because she's like, you know what? We can dance, like, um, and – For her sake. For her sake. And he's – and Sarkon's like, yeah, you know, actually, we're in the 70s and the contract doesn't exist in the 1970s. So uh-huh. uh, kind of makes a joke. And we do get a very adorable dance where yeah. all these unspoken things are being said between them and these looks that they're giving each other and – the caresses and how close they're standing and all this stuff. I love – I have loved every one of their dance scenes. Like, yeah. I know we've only gotten three so far. And they've all been in very – at very different points in their relationship. hmm Or lack of. Um, yeah. But I really hope we get – we get another one. But when they're act- – because they – in all three that we've gotten, they've never mm-hmm. actually been together. Because the first mm, one was the engagement – The first one was the engagement party. Uh, the second one was right after the breakup and Edda was kind of drunk. And in this one, they're both sober, but they're still broken up. So yeah. anyways, we, lo- so, we love it. Yeah. So we get some more cuteness with Ferit and Jaren dancing. Um, Erdem decides that he and Layla need to break up uh-huh. and we get the in most hilarious Fifi. fake breakup ever. And I love that they're all – they all just laugh because he's like, I need a shoulder to lean on. And Phoebe's like, yo, Carti. <laughs> so, yeah, she shoes him away and all the girls crack up. Yeah. So, um, the- Pearl is still – what? Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Pearl is still looking for Angin. She's trying to call him. And then Bulge is like, I'm going to leave. I have work to do. And Pearl's like, wow, you're leaving a party to go work. I really respect that. <laughs> because, of course, oh, Pearl's like, of wow. Course, of course, Pearl. <laughs> so bye-bye, Bulge. Who cares? Whatever. And then <laughs> we start to see smoke because I feel like <laughs> – is there a fire? Okay, listen. When they were posting the behind the scenes of this, I got this way wrong. But this was also just like my angsty heart wishing for something I knew probably wasn't going to happen. But I was like, maybe there's a fire and maybe Sarah Connor Edda thinks that the other one's in danger and like runs after <laughs> and like runs after them. Because what I really wanted at that point when I saw that, I wanted my Derek Craven moment. Where of he, course. Where he thinks that Sarah thinks that she's dead. has died in the fire and he's like – he like, utterly just, destroyed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because what's better than a totally destroyed hero? <laughs> nothing, guys. There's nothing better. We want them completely devastated, mm. destroyed, ruined. <laughs> but in this case, I think it would have better served for it to be gender reversed and have yes. Edda think that something think happened that Sarah to Saracon uh-huh. and that she was yeah. wasting all this time. Uh, <laughs> and that is not even remotely close to what this scene was. <laughs> it was so much more innocent and, and silly. ridiculous and silly. <laughs> so, Egan. <laughs> This is why I'm 
like, girl, Perot is right. Look at what a dummy he is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So the smoke clears away, and it's like, what's the music that's playing? It's like, like, and the smoke clears away, and he's like, hear thee, hear thee, my maiden with the red fiery hair and the luscious lips or whatever he's saying. And she cannot. Yeah, it's like, your eyes light a fire in me and all this ridiculous stuff. But she can't hear any she of it. She can't even hear him because he's outside yelling it through a closed window. And Sarkon's like, they're all cracking up. And then eventually Sarkon's like, okay, let's leave them be. Everybody back off. Let's leave them yeah. alone. He comes in. Mm-hmm. Angan comes in. And basically winds up proposing to her and Pearl's like, you did not – like, I keep telling you, you don't have to go to all these, like, extreme um, exaggerations of right. of um, actions. Like, uh-huh. you don't even need to get down on one knee. Stand up, my love, and ask me what you want to ask me. So he does and she accepts and they're engaged and – Congratulations, Ingen and Pearl. Yeah. Um, and by the way, that ring box, what a fancy ring box. It has a little light, light inside of when it. you open it. I know. <laughs> it's like, dang. Um, so, so. party's over. They're yeah. engaged. Congratulations. And now Sarkhan is at home. Sarkhan's at home. He's sure it is going to come tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, this was so funny because he's talking to Sirius again. And he says, I'm Sarkhan Bolat. And do you know what I heard in my head? What? I'm Chuck Bass. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, now what I hear is I'm Selena Sardothian and I will not be afraid. But you don't understand <laughs> no, that I reference. Do not. <laughs> and why it will make you cry when you understand. <laughs> but this was – I, I like that better. This, mm-hmm. That's much more appropriate. Oh I'm my Chuck gosh. Bass. I'm Chuck Bass. <laughs> and it, yeah, he anyways, I just I don't know why that's immediately what popped into my head. So, um well, too bad it's Balja cuz yeah. the doorbell rings or gets knocked on and he again is like Edda Yolda. Uh-huh. and then he's like and then he's like, "Oh, Balja." Yeah, so he's, he's like, totally like, "What? Who? This is the last person on earth he would ever have guessed." Mm-hmm would be knocking on his door late at night after this party. And she's the last person who should be. Absolutely. Now, yeah. from – well, we'll get into this when we're all done. But so she basically is like, hey, I've been working on that PR strategy all night. Mm-hmm. Like, I – you know, I wanted to bring it by to you tonight so you could look at it and that way we could discuss it at work tomorrow. Did you hit the mic again? Yes, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you guys. We've done that so many times. <laughs> um, so um, – you know, and he's like, oh, okay, like, well, I can appreciate that, you know. She's like, and, you know, I looked up your address at the company. You don't actually live far from me, so I'm just dropping it off on my way home. So, uh, and we already know what she's up to. But this is all seemingly innocent and somebody who is just trying to show their brand new boss, like, hey, I'm a hard worker. Yes. So he's like, cool, that's awesome. She's not even trying to come in. But again, I know it's all part of her act, too. Yes. So it's it's a ploy on her part. But absolutely. to him – Right. She wasn't trying to push in seemingly. No. No. She wasn't being overtly pushy at all. No. She was like, oh, by the way, is there – I saw a pizzeria. What do you think of them? Blah, blah, blah. She's just kind of listing off all this stuff and he's like, look, just come in. I'll just take a look at it now. You mm-hmm. can order your food and then 
I'll send you home with the work. Right. No big deal. He's yep. probably thinking he, he's he's so work minded. He's like right. he's probably thinking, well, we can just go over this right now. Then we mm-hmm. don't have to deal with it tomorrow. It's one less thing we have to worry about. Right. Okay, just come in. No big deal. Right. So, which is what he does. He invites mm-hmm. her in, and you know. Of course, she brought Sirius a toy, and I was like, "Man, you know what I would have really liked is him throwing it, and and then Sirius just looking Sirius at it on the couch, it. yeah, just looking at it like, what is this?" And then going and getting one of his things that Ed does really that he uh-huh. like loves. Yeah, that, that was a miss. Be. That was a missed opportunity, guys. It was so. Um, Anyways, he doesn't, but he, you know, so they're going over stuff. He's complimenting her work ethic and, mm-hmm. you know, and she basically is like, well, I'm a workaholic. I like to get this stuff done. And he's like, listen, I can appreciate and admire that. Like, that was me too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he starts talking about work-life balance and how a smart woman came into his life and changed all of that for him. Yes. So we switch over to the girls and they're talking about what a crazy day it was, mm-hmm. how they went from a marriage proposal to watching a breakup and all this stuff and how there's all this stuff going on. It's been such a crazy day. So Edda's still thinking about all of this and she asks the girls if she if they think she's being unfair to Sarkhan. And they're still like, well, he did lie to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then Jaren's like, but he also signed the contract without batting an eye, without reading anything. And Ada's like, I just am not sure if I've gone too far. I'm not sure if I'm forcing him to change. And so Melo is kind of just asking her, well, what is it that you want? Mm -hmm. That's what matters. What is it that you want? And so she's like, well, I'm not totally sure, but I also wasn't entirely honest with Serkan. I hid things from him and he didn't say anything. The only thing he wanted was for me to fulfill three wishes because of this. And his wish was for me to surprise him at his door so we could eat popcorn and watch a movie. It's really, he's not asking for a lot here. So then Melo comes in and says love gets tired of a lot of whims mm-hmm. and ed is like oh my gosh he said the same thing and it's kind of her light bulb moment so to speak yes yes and Miriam did clarify to me that is an actual saying like okay the turkish okay. phrase there she's like there's song titles by that like that's a well-known phrase okay so that know, makes a lot of sense then yeah because i said i even said yeah even for aisha like, that'd be too coincidental for them to make up the exact same phrase. But yes. it does make sense that they would both think of an already existing phrase that applies to that situation. Mm-hmm. Because I do love that she's like, yeah, me and my Anish day, we think the same way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so cute. Uh-huh. It's adorable. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, um, I just – I love their bond. And mm-hmm. um, so – that said, it's giving Ida more pause, and we switch back over to Sircons, where Balja's basically trying to stroke his ego about, mm-hmm. oh, you know, but the company wouldn't be where it is if it weren't for all your hard work and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you weren't like, such a workaholic, it's good that you're a workaholic like me. We're so much alike, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and he's like, yeah, while that's true, I also was missing out on a lot of stuff in life. So, mm-hmm. you know, basically it's half a dozen of one and six of the other. Yeah. And so then the doorbell rings and he's like, there's our food. I'm going to grab plates. It's funny because I notice he says, I'm going to buzz this person in. That's when he like pushes that thing on his wall. And yes. then he asks her to help them bring the stuff in. And, and girlfriend she doesn't get No, up. she like doesn't even get up out of her chair. No. I know. So I noticed that too. 
So I'm like, okay. So I have this theory because when he goes to get the plates, the candle on the table is not lit. But when Edda walks in, it is. So I think Balja lit the candle and is like, oh, I burned my hand. And that's why he's like holding her hand and like looking at it and kind of bent over her when Edda walks in. Okay. Because, of course, it's not the pizza, you guys. It's Edda mm-hmm. with the popcorn in the movie. She lets herself in. Yes. Um, And, of course, walks in and sees Serkan standing over Balja, kind of cradling her hand in his. Yeah. Um, and so – and they're kind of laughing a little bit. And it, I could see that because if she burned her hand, I could see the laughter of, like, how dumb am I? I burned my hand on a simple candle. Like – Well, and she already is exhibiting such sneaky behavior. Like, even with her passing off her – offering to help with the convincing people to vote for Idon and then she doesn't actually do the work herself. Mm-hmm. Something like this where he asks her to help with the person bring the food in and she doesn't do anything, but she's talking herself up like she's such a workaholic and I don't believe in putting off tomorrow what I can do today. All this stuff where it's she's clearly trying to put up this front mm-hmm. that she's such a hard worker and blah 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 and oh she's so committed and oh I'm just like you all this kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. in reality I could see her being a person who cuts corners and is mm-hmm. sneaky about stuff. Yep. Well, and it could explain why she was even in the situation she was in to begin with. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have a job and I don't have this. Like, you know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's obviously where it ends. He looks mm-hmm. up and sees her and is like, Edda? And then it ends. Of course. Yeah. So for all the – I'm going to call you all the Sercons would never – <laughs> because so many people were like, Sarah Khan would never do this. This was so out of character. Okay, number one, if you think he was doing something completely out of character, can I just say, this is why you don't switch writers because an entirely different team wrote this episode. And Amen. yes, while Aisha was still credited at the helm as a as the story creator because she is, she did not have a hand in writing this episode. Mm-hmm. So these weird things that maybe seemed off to you could very well be because of that. Like the fact that Sirius all of a sudden doesn't hate strangers anymore. Sure. Um, You know, however, f- uh, you know, listen, I am not for writer changes, but I will say this was not that far out of Serkan's character. No. Like, listen, this man, for Serkan would never let a stranger into his house. Okay. Serkan got fake engaged to a stranger who exact who he knew for exactly one day and all he knew about her was that she was that she keyed his car and handcuffed <laughs> herself to him. Yeah. Not exactly very trustworthy traits. Yeah. <laughs> and this man still made sure to send her a first aid kit to her mm-hmm. house that night because their wrists had sores on them from being handcuffed together all day. Mm-hmm. And he was concerned enough about her wrist, but it was her own fault that her wrist was even injured like that. Yeah. Um, He also is someone who kept his ex by very closely in a professional manner, even though she clearly still had feelings for him. Let her stay in his house with him Mm -hmm. when her her home was flooded. So, guys, he's – Serkan is smart, but he's also a clueless dude, okay? Mm -hmm. So the weirdest thing to me about that scene was the fact that he – was getting two plates, which means he was also planning on eating pizza, which is super unhealthy. Like, right. That's what stuck out to me most about that. Like, yeah. the, to me, this is this was not super out of character, especially because he doesn't know what we as the audience know. Exactly. Like, and you have to keep that in mind. Yes. And while, yes, maybe there could be more of a work life balancing, he could have said, okay, while I appreciate your work ethic, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's late at night. Let's discuss this tomorrow. Right. But if this had been a man, would it have been that big of a deal for a man to be exhibiting that much um, of a work ethic and that much of of a go-getter attitude that like, hey, you know what? I worked on this all night and I wanted to get it to you so that we're fresh and ready to deal with this during work hours tomorrow. Yeah. It probably would have been fine. So like – I don't think it was that weird and out of character for him. No. But if it if it is something that you're like, that was just so not him, let this just prove to you this is why we shouldn't change writers in a show ever, in any yeah. show. Like, <laughs> let them tell their story. And I think yeah. Gilmore Girls, I use Gilmore Girls as an example of that on oh Twitter. Oh, my god! Because Amy Sherman Palladino, yes, she was the, quote, Aisha of that show. She created mm-hmm. it. It was her story, and then she was a writer actively for every single episode until the mm-hmm. seventh season. And while we don't she was talk about that season, nope. <laughs> while she was still credited the way Aisha was credited as a story creator, Amy mm-hmm. Sherman Palladino was also credited in every single episode of the seventh season because it was her story. Right. Initially, she created this show. This, world. however, she did not write any of those episodes. She had nope. no hand in it, and that showed very painfully the entirety of that season so just just gonna throw that out there for you guys yeah um yeah and um somebody else also pointed uh, hannah pointed this out and i was like i'm totally gonna summarize what you just said to me because again people who are getting frustrated with the storyline and where it's going or where they feel like it's falling or where they feel like it's lacking Mm -hmm. okay again with dz's Mm-hmm. can't expect oscar-winning performances every single week nope because they are literally i will say this till i'm blue in the face are filming things longer than an actual movie mm-hmm. if this was a movie that had been filmed for months and months and edited for a year before releasing yes be far more critical yeah rip it apart <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah but this is an entirely different story and and like with a movie and like with a book both of which usually are filled with tropes when they are romance, mm-hmm. you already have a start and an end. Yep. So you know how much you need to stretch that trope out and make it work for the beginning, middle, and end. We don't know when the e- middle or end is of a show in yeah. Land. So yes, while this isn't the – the enemies part is over of the enemies to lovers. The mm-hmm. fake relationship part is over of this trope. Mm-hmm. But – they, they're now having to come up with and find all these other tropes to try to infuse into this show Yep, where they have to find the balance of, okay, how much of this can we put into the show where we can keep going if we do well? And how much of this do we put in where we can also wrap it up should we get the axe next week? Exactly. Because they and never know when they, that could nope. potentially be coming. Nope. So there's this fine line that they're trying to walk of keeping the viewers engaged, keeping the story interesting, while keeping everybody also still on the edge of their seat mm-hmm. and keeping that tension. That's basically impossible to keep at that tip-top mm-hmm. level yeah. the whole time you're watching. Absolutely. And so, of course, now we have this whole three wishes thing and it does contract and the whole purpose of those is – to get them through these episodes and getting them closer and also building their relationship and building their character. It's like with these DZs, everything has every plot point, every dialogue situation. It's got to do 20 different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it can't just do one thing. Like right. if you were in a 350 page book right. and you have one scene that does work for the whole plot, mm-hmm. it, it can't work that way in these DZs. Especially, each thing has to do multiple jobs. Yes. Especially because <laughs> DZs are not episodic. They are serial. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, like, you have to watch a previous episode in order to watch a next episode. Yes. Um, And while, yes, most, like, American shows are kind of a mix of episodic and serial, mm-hmm. like, there's storylines that go for, you know, throughout whole seasons. Sure. But a lot of shows, like, have episodic things happening each week mm-hmm. where you're not going to be totally lost if you dive in during the fourth season of, say, yeah. like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or – Something yes. like that, you know? Um, and those are all things that people, I feel like, just don't consider and realize. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to point that out. And yeah. um, also, I saw a lot of backlash of, like, I hate that women are being portrayed this way, meaning the way Balja is. Now, here's the thing. If this were me even – like six months ago, yeah, because you know what? During EK, when Jada came along, mm. when Polen came back, like, you know what? Yes, it graded on me. But the more DZs I've watched since then, the more yeah. I realize, one, this is just an ingredient that's going to exist. Yeah. And number two, I hate to break it to you, but people like Balja actually exist in real life. Yeah. Now, if every single female character in this show other than Edda was a Balja, we would have mm-hmm. a real problem. We would yep. have a genuinely real problem. But yeah. like Pearl's not a Balja. She's no. just a hardworking, career-minded, focused woman. She's not in competition with other women. She's not um, – yeah, she was like weary of Edda, but not for not for Balja's reasons. Not, no. You know what I mean? Not because she's trying to get to Sercon or, you know. Right. She had her own reasons that honestly make sense looking back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone who'd known Sarkon as long as she has, of that course. this seemed very weird and out of the ordinary and all of that. Yeah. Um, she was confused. Yeah. As, as all of his friends would be. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, even up until Celine leaving and just kind of losing it, mm-hmm. as much as we maybe didn't like her, a lot of the times we could sympathize with her. Mm-hmm. And it can even be argued that even up until her leaving, she – I could understand why people would still sympathize with her, like, that she was – that she kind of just felt driven to like her, you know, her um her villainy. Of, yeah. Like um, <laughs> yeah. and so, you know, I just want to point out that yeah, if every single woman in this show other than the heroine was being portrayed like Balja, then I would also have an issue. But yeah. But Balja is an outlier. Yes. She's literally the first female character we've seen in the show that's acted like this. Uh-huh. And we are twenty two episodes in. Absolutely. So that to me is proof enough yeah like she's literally the only one Mm -hmm. so um those are all things i just wanted to point out um and then i was gonna read a couple there were so many good ones i wish i could read them all but this podcast would be like another hour and a half if i did (laughs) but we had a lot of great discussion in our facebook group and so i had Mm. asked um I had asked if people would mind if I maybe shared pieces of what they said, again, oh, nice. about about the whole, like, change versus evolution um, mm-hmm. as far as Sarkon and even Edda, too. So one uh, one that I really liked was that what Eliana had to say. I think that's your name. It's written in Greek, but I think your name is Eliana. If not, please correct me. Um, she says, the concept of changed is used a lot in the last two episodes because they try to portray, portray that when you are in love, you can change for your well-being and that that change has an impact on your other half as well. Hmm. All the answers are in front of our eyes in this episode. During the conversation with Balja, Ada clearly said that she doesn't talk about drastic changes, but small ones that make a huge difference, which means improvement and growth. Serkan is more aware than ever about his feelings and his actions, and that's why he is telling people that he's changed, like to anyone who's noticed that yeah. he's basically saying, yes, I have changed. 
Uh, We clearly see that no one can force him to do anything against his will. And I'm not talking about the small favors that Ida convinces him to do. But if he really wants to do something, he does so with no hesitation. Hmm. Uh, He might say that he's changing for her. But what he really means is that it's all because of what Ida has brought to his life. He admits to her that she made his life as colorful as a rainbow. She helped him reveal his true self since he was a closed person because of his past. She said that she fell in love with him for who he was, and when he broke her heart, she still continued not only loving him, but believing in him no matter what. Edda has accepted Serkan the way he is, and she did that a long time ago because she saw the real him. Hmm. Um, And, you know, she goes on and makes other really great points. Um, And Hannah um, also uh, said that, you know... um, is that a lot too many people seem to think that Serkan was, quote, fine before and that he doesn't need to make all these changes. But he clearly was not fine. He worked 24-7. He acted like a jackass to Layla and even quoted when he was like, what are you even good for, Layla? Hmm. Uh, was distant from his friends and so disconnected from his emotions that he literally would become physically ill when he started to have feelings. Hmm. Nothing about that was fine. He needed to change or he was going to crash. He now takes time to rest. He's invested in the lives of those around him, like noticing that Edda's engaged and asking what's on her hand. Uh, And he doesn't think he's dying when he gets a tingling of emotion. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, change. (laughs) And as far as I can tell, the business hasn't suffered. He's actually running two of them now. Mm -hmm. Um, That's right. And, you know, and then she says, and I think what a lot of people are forgetting, too, is that no one jumps into a relationship and everything just immediately works. We are all changed by people we have relationships with. If they're supportive people and overall healthy relationships, then it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, plus, the relationship itself, the relationship itself is always going to evolve, which we've touched on, too. It's why you can't always have the episode one, two, and three magic because – yeah, because – Things are going to change and evolve and grow within that relationship. Totally. Um, you know, and so – and then she goes on to um, – but I just – those were some pointers that I was like, yes, I really love this. Yeah. Um, because, again, I think it really breaks down the whole change versus evolution. And before the – before I noticed the um, potato or the pottery thing, mm-hmm. I had written down – because, you know, we said way back in, like, episode one – how starchy car- how starchy Sarkon is. Yep. And you said that. And I was like, yeah. And Ed does basically his fabric softener. Yep. And just like fabric softener, does it change the fabric? No, it's no, still it doesn't. it's still cotton. It's still polyester. It's still whatever fabric it is. Uh-huh. It's just a more comfortable version of itself. It's still a t-shirt. It's still a collared shirt. It's still a button-up shirt. It's still the what makes it what it is is all still the same. So, um, so good. That was just all my thought vomit as the week went on, and I was thinking about this stuff and a lot of the issues that um, people are having with character development or the relationship. Now, that is not to say I I wholeheartedly agree that Edda needs to come to a point where she makes a decision. She can't just keep using this contract as a crutch. She can't just keep hemming and hawing on whether she's going to trust him or not. Whether like no. she, she, she needs to make a decision and she yes. needs to make a decision soon. Yes, absolutely. Because he has gone about proving himself. He is showing that these are real um, tangible changes and growth in his life. Mm-hmm. And I think he's more than done that for her. So yeah. it is her turn. And even Serkan said at some point to Ingen, like – I've made I've made an effort, and so these wishes are are so that Edda can make an effort too, or not. Like, yep. 
And so he is even opened that door and recognized now she needs to make the effort. So totally. he realizes it and she is realizing it as well. So. Love it. Yeah. Sorry. Anything to add to that? I just was like. <laughs> it's just, okay. I, I, this is how it's kind of been. You've been building stuff up each week so, <laughs> so that you can expel it all <laughs> during the podcast. <laughs> Oh, and I just, I, I like had notes in my phone. I had like weird chicken scratch written down on the thing because it's like, I just didn't want to forget any of this stuff because yeah, it like. Oh my gosh. It, yeah, it definitely builds up. And some of it I will like tweet, <laughs> I'll tweet and post random stuff too. But, you know, I want to save stuff for the podcast because right. that's what we're here for. But um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's, no, I think that was, I think that was all good. And I'm excited to see how these next few weeks progress. Me I'm too. hoping we see some big moves and, um, yeah, I think. Did, did you I, watch I, both the fragments? I did not. Oh, okay. I'm back to not watching the fragments because I am nothing if not inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's probably not the worst place to be. I have gone to the middle. I'm not not watching them. Mm -hmm. But like when the first one came out, everyone lost their dang minds like usual, yeah. even though this is nothing new. Every week a fragment comes out and people decide how a two and a half hour episode is going to go based on 47 of seconds. Of course. But then I realized like Very it logical. was like – it was like pulling all the joy out of the fragments for me. Oh, yeah. And so this week I watched – when the second fragment came out, I just watched it. God bless Ruby because I didn't even have to scroll Twitter for translations or the mm -hmm. link. She sent them to me in a text so I could just oh, nice. watch the fragment. And then she sent me screenshots <laughs> of somebody's Twitter translation. <laughs> and then I was able to come to all the conclusions I wanted to without feeling like someone was yourself. like – Yes, without feeling without like the my, outside intruding. Yep, yep. Without <laughs> feeling like my parade was being rained on or uh -huh. anything like that. Because just like I'm entitled to be very happy and excited about the fragment, anyone else sure. is entitled to also not be. Yeah. Um, they can be mad if they want. That's right. totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. We're not going to tell them to change their opinion. Right. And they shouldn't tell us to change our opinion. Right. So, so I was like, yeah, I think if I'm going to keep watching fragments, I need to just watch them when they release and yeah, then just leave smart. it at that and not scroll Twitter or mm -hmm. anything like that because then, yeah, I just wind up – I get this feeling where it's like I have to defend the fragment and I'm like, I actually don't have to defend yeah. the fragment. Um, nope. I can just think what I want about it and either be excited or not based on th what I was given. But I've totally. also always held the whole, you can feel how you want about the fragment, but you still need to wait for the entire episode to play out because as we know, you should never trust a fragment. <laughs> no. Never. So, yeah. Guys, but. don't do it. Don't trust the fragment. No. They do it on purpose. They do it on purpose. <laughs> so, anyhow, um, yeah. Uh, so, that is all our uh, thought vomit. That's my new favorite phrase mm -hmm. um, on this episode and the progress we've made up to this point and progress that we want to see continually happen. Yeah. Um, we do meet – well, you had to have watched – the. you must have watched the first – Wait, did we watch this episode together? Yes, we did. Right? Yes. So okay. I at least saw that first fragment. Yes. So we know. So yeah. you know that without subs. Yeah, without subs. But, but I know we, that Grandma's cup. Yes. And honestly, I feel like she was perfectly cast. Like her whole look is yeah. like this very Turkish Miranda Priestly. Like yes, which just feels so fitting to mm -hmm. how 
how she's been described to us thus far. Yeah. Um, so that I am kind of excited about. Oh, yeah. I'm ready for some some crap to go down. Mm-hmm. Like, because now we have two, not aggressors, but for lack of a better term, two kind of catalysts as uh-huh. well with the plot and the storyline. We've got Baba Ane mm-hmm. and we have Balja. See, so. now I have this feeling that because Baba Ane has been built up to be this really horrendous and horrible person, I kind of wonder if she's just going to be there to be like, Look, I did all this just so that I could finally get some FaceTime with you because you know what? Like I've had literally 20 years to sit here and think about the fact that I made a lot of mistakes with my son and I don't want to make those same mistakes with you and I want a relationship with you and I want a relationship with my daughter who is still alive mm-hmm. um, and totally just blindside us with that and maybe she is like on their side kind of a thing. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, st- I still think she'll be a catalyst to a certain degree of mm-hmm. plot happenings and that kind of a thing. Yeah. Because she's a new ingredient into this right. whole story. So things are going to be mixed up at mm-hmm. least a little bit. She's she's a new character. So mm-hmm. obviously we're she's going to mix things up a little. So yeah. I'm excited for it. Either Me way, whether too. she's good or whether she's evil. Yeah. I'm happy she's coming. <laughs> Me too. I'm happy we finally get to meet her. So yeah. Um, anyways, I don't know if either of us will be available for the live watch on Saturday. If I'm yeah, still if I'm still feeling sick, then I won't be going to where I was supposed to be going on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and then I'll probably be bundled up in blankets watching the live watch with you all. But that yeah. remains to be seen. Um, anyhow, but thank you guys for sitting here with us for however long we've been <laughs> sitting here. I ha- We had to split this recording, so I'm not exactly sure how long we've been going on. But it's been plenty of time, I'm sure. It's been a long time. <laughs> so thank you guys for uh, sitting sitting uh, with us through it. Thank you guys every week for just being excited and yeah, like saying seriously. you can't saying you can't wait until the podcast episode drops. Like it's just yeah. wonderful, and we love and appreciate each and every one of you. So, um, anyways. I say this every week, but everything you can find links to everything in our episode notes. Also, mm-hmm. I did in our Twitter and Instagram bios, um, I did create us a link tree this week, which basically is one link that you click on and then you can go to anywhere. So I have links to different podcast platforms to listen to us. I linked our, our merchandise store. I linked our Senchal Kapama playlist um, on Spotify. Mm-hmm our website so that way all you have to do is just click on one thing and then you can find whatever you're looking for um so just want to let you guys know that so anyways thank you so much we love you all and of course we'll be back to break down everything that goes down in volume 23 next week so until then go to shooters post to call